B-Pod Studios. 97.5 The Fanatic. Good morning. Thought I'd help you wake up. It's 6 a.m. and you're listening to The John Kincaid Show, Philadelphia's longest-running sports talk morning show on 97.5 The Fanatic, Philadelphia. Let the party begin! The show starts now. Tuesday morning, where we're not usually in our live performance studio, but we will be today on The John Kincaid Show. Angelo Cataldi joins us a little bit later on. Uh, at 8 o'clock to discuss his new book, Loud, and talk about his career and the uh, Philadelphia sports scene. So you want to be here for that. Plus, the prize wheel is going to be wild today. Double prize available for someone at 8 a.m. So they want to be here. Uh, I've been around enough locker rooms, professional teams, and locker rooms over the years to know when things start to unravel a bit. And one of the things that I took away yesterday is that the Philadelphia Eagles might be having some of those issues. I am not in there on a daily basis. I am not speaking from a position of I understand everything that's going on. But what I will tell you is is what has been made public. I've seen before. I've heard before. And it never has ended well. When players start to talk to the media members and start questioning their coaches – and start questioning the predictability, as uh, Derek Gunn uh, reported. The predictability of play calls. Locker room whisper campaigns, I have seen it a million times. I've seen it in baseball. I saw it with Freddie Gonzalez over the years. I've seen it with multiple NFL coaches, other coaches in sports. It's never a good sign. Because then... It appears that things are sort of losing a little bit of losing hold of the the camaraderie, the brotherhood in the locker room. If this if the Eagles lose because they aren't good enough on the field, to me that's one thing. If they why what is that breathing sound I'm hearing? The uh, it's, it's weird. The if the Eagles lose because of their poor play on the field, I get it. If the Eagles lose because they're campaign breaks down because of players being disillusioned and then starting the whisper campaign of we're not pleased with this, we're not pleased with that. I I won't take them losing that way. I won't accept that, Bob, but it very well could end up happening. uh, We we haven't heard this since Nick Sirianni took over the Eagles. Everything has been on lockdown. The Doug Peterson administration became a whisper campaign, became leaks, became people talking out of turn. I hate seeing this, and I'm hoping it isn't part of what could potentially be the unraveling of the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles. I I have been as surprised by the reaction of this city over the last couple of days as I have the play of the Philadelphia Eagles lately. Explain. Like, uh, uh, Nick Sirianni's not as great a coach as everybody thought he was. Who, first of all, if you thought he was a great coach, and I'm not, I'm not denying anything Nick Sirianni has done, and I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, who who out there like was going on this campaign of? Oh, he's one of the greatest coaches ever. He's in his third year. He's still proving himself. Yeah, our, maybe our expectations, you know, are a little down because of of what is going of what is going on now. But my God, all right, you've hit a rough patch. Pull your pants up and get through it. Uh, both as players, coaches, and fans. 
Okay, yeah, we're ticked the way they played the last two games. But now it has to go to the, man, this isn't who we thought they were. I saw a national guy, Howie Roseman, fool's gold. He really sold you on a bill of goods. What did he sell us? He put together what he thought was the best team. We're the ones that ate it up. We're the ones as fans that said, oh, man, this team's going to the Super Bowl. Okay, they've hit on a rough patch. Maybe they still will go. Maybe they won't go. But, I, you know, I didn't see the Eagles or Sirianni or anybody going around carrying championship signs before the season started. No. That swayed us to say he's the best coach ever, how he's the best GM ever. Okay, you hit a rough patch. What are you going to do about it? Sit and cry and say, uh-oh, things are folding with this organization. Or are you going to look to get better? One thing I will say, though, Bob, is that it doesn't, to me, one of the reasons Doug Peterson left and was fired was because of the fact that of his some poor hiring practices that he had that he defended to the to the end yeah. when Jeffrey Lurie and uh, Howie Roseman both wanted changes to be made. And that became the standoff. Uh, one thing I will say is I think Nick Sirianni's been a great coach. I think he's done I think he's done a great job, but it's way too early to make any grand statements about what he is. I know his record is one of the all-time best for a guy in his third year. But uh, that said, uh, his hiring practices, I questioned it in the offseason, so I'm not going to – I'm not doing 2020 hindsight. I really did think it was a mistake to go with two unproven coordinators. And with a, with a Super Bowl team, with a team that that was their thing, to go with two guys who've never done it, like really to any level, sir, decide did it for one year. I, I, I thought it was a misjudgment on their part. Well, there. Okay, so you're not solely blaming oh, no, I, Sirianni. Oh, no, no, no. Because okay, uh, we, we know the owner – and the GM get involved in coaching decisions. Well, it, we it saw that be, with Doug Peterson. Right. It would be a drastic, uh, you know, complete turnaround to what happened with Peterson where he wanted to bring guys back. And 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 it appears Howie and Jeffrey Lurie wouldn't allow him to. Why they would just let Sirianni then hire his own coordinators would be baffling. So, yeah, I don't think it was his decision alone about oh, no. who to bring in here. Uh, but, yeah, okay, you, you've hit a rough patch. We, It's not a secret. We said it before the season how suspect the defense was going to be. Um, how you couldn't rely on 70 sacks again, of course. Uh, it's okay. You're hitting a rough patch here. I, I'm not kidding you. I sat at home yesterday and looking on Twitter, but among the national, local, you know, all over the place local uh, of this, you know, he's not who we thought he was. How Whoa. we saw you fools go. Okay. I'm sorry. If sports were as predictable as these people are making it out to be, why do you have an NCAA football national championship? Why do you have playoffs? Why do you have this? Just anoint the best team, the champion, and move on. Do you consider this, Pat, a rough patch? Or do you consider it? Because Bob used the term rough patch. I think I'm sort of there with Bob, but I have the danger feeling that the rough patch may be something more than just a little patch. I mean, ultimately, we'll find out you know, as the season goes on. But, yeah, I think we're in the middle of a rough patch. But there is a chance that this is this is it, right? Like this is, this isn't a rough patch. This is the, uh, the faults of a team Who they the are. coming out. Yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm looking at it like, Hey, a couple of weeks ago we were 10 and one and flying high and you can get back to that. But th- there's a very realistic chance that, yeah, this, this is it. I will lean towards, you can fix it. You know, you can fix some things. You can tweak some things. You can, you can make it right because nothing that has come out of the locker room and nothing that we've discussed isn't fixable other than, all right, your, your linebackers aren't great, but they've, they've addressed that. They've tried to fix that. You know, I mean, they go out and they get Shaq Leonard. He only played 17% of the snaps. You figure that's going to tick up in Seattle. Uh, Cunningham comes back. So 
most of the things at least we've talked about, they're all fixable. It's it's scheme crap. It, now it's up to the, the coaches to put their ego aside, which we've seen Sirianni do before, and go, all right, what I decided to do isn't really working anymore. I have to adjust. And that's the big question. And Brian Johnson and Sean Desai put their egos aside and go, all right, got to switch this up. And I, I think that's where my frustration comes from a little bit, John, is uh, you know I'm a day-to-day guy. You are that's, definitely that's, day-to-day, more than anyone guy. I've ever met. And, it like, the tweets that I'm seeing, oh, see, back in the offseason, they didn't do this. Or how we, you know, like I said, fool's gold and all of that. And then it goes to, and watch how bad they're going to be next year. My God, can you just, like, fix what's here now? Like, live in the moment of saying, all right, what's going on with this team? Yeah, they're, they're deficient at, at, at different places. How do you fix it? What do you do? What's the scheme? What's coming up? You know, how can it, how can it get better now? Now we're going back to the off season, and we're looking forward to saying, "Yeah, they're not going to be any good next year." Okay. Well, the, the the one thing I would say is is that I don't know that the San Francisco loss and what caused it is fixable, but I do know that what caused them to lose the Dallas game, or at least to not be in it till the last minutes of the game, is fixable. When you turn the ball over three times in enemy territory, that's fixable. That's stuff you can fix. That's stuff you can potentially repair. The San Francisco game to me, and Pat, I, I, I'm more convinced than ever, uh, it, it doesn't feel like something that can just be, oh, if we did this scheme-wise, we win this game. I feel like they were out-talented that day. And, and, and it, um, that they were that they were exploited by superior talent. And by the way, superior coaching on that day. Yeah, on that they, day. They got, I don't want to, exposed maybe not be the right word, but for lack of a better one, I'll use exposed. I I all I do though remind myself that that team was well rested and the Eagles were not right and the Eagles came out with their hair on fire and then don't convert on some red zone opportunities and sort of reminds of Monday night and then next thing you know yeah I mean the second quarter hits and I mean they're you know for for a good portion of that game for a, a quarter of that game they were they were dominating it and then all of a sudden I don't know if it was Kyle Shanahan and it probably was um, just figuring out. How to how to scheme around it, but all of a sudden they just stopped playing. The problem with the 49ers, too, and we were talking about this on the pregame show, they're bullies. And I mean that oh, as they a are. compliment. Like they they will beat your ass and then they will remind you about it and beat your ass some more. And the Eagles allowed it to happen. And we we talked about the Bradbury stuff before the game, like just walking through and pushing a player. Yeah, and it's got shoulders. me sitting there going, like, can we get Indomitian Sue in here just to just to be a bodyguard? Yeah, I've I never seen so much <laughs> never seen so much love to a person to a to a, a, a team's bodyguard in my life other than, than Dom DeSandro. So I'm tired um, of that story. Which by the way. yeah, could me it too. just I, be over? The, the the updates on Sunday whether or not he'd be on the sidelines. Oh my I don't gosh. give a rat's ass. But, Neither do I. But it, it goes to like this team lacks balls for a lack of a better term. I mean, they just don't unlike have, the flyers. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't have it. Like they just don't, I, I mean, they don't have that like F you mentality and they need it. I mean, John Tortorella said it. He goes, the flyers have balls. Yeah. Did the Eagles have balls. Cause if the Eagles have balls, they're going to come out on Monday night and they are going to impose their will on an inferior team on the road who may have their backup quarterback playing. And if not, then maybe it is who they are, Bob. Well, yeah, this is probably all what you get and what you don't get with the mentality that they have been preaching to us that they have, where it's all even keel. It's the next step. It's that climb up the mountain. All of that. 
Well, it's probably going to frustrate you when things are going bad that they're not coming out and saying more than they do. Uh, Just like when they win, they don't come out and say more than they do. Like, yeah, we're playing great. We love our team. It's always the next step, and it's boring. And we tried to warn each other, and we talked about it, that, look, when things start to go bad, this is probably going to get on your nerves. And it does. It does when they win, and here it comes. Uh, Yeah, the whispering in the locker room. That's never a good sign. No, predictability and all. Uh, Yeah, going to the media. Yeah, not good. Um, Anonymously wanna, going to the media. Yeah, you want to talk about it with your teammates, with your coaches. Um, y- y- you wonder who's saying it. But, you know, it'll probably, if if I had my druthers and I'm the head coach, everybody comes in. Hey, guys, you know, we keep this to ourselves. Somebody who would have, have your druthers if, if you didn't have them? I mean, you you have your druthers. Like, and you keep them at home? Do you? What are druthers, by the way? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. <laughs> it's like I say to my wife all the time, are buttons cute? Yeah, they're not. I mean, I've never looked at a button and go, oh, my God, that's a cute button. Yeah, I mean. It, you know, what is that? You know, not to get off your button and brother's <laughs> crap. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like the fact that it got out. Why? Because I, I, I like the fact that maybe it'll wake up this coaching staff to realize, like, hey, the, the, it's not sunshine and rainbows and Good point, all that. Like, Sirianni bringing everybody in and going, hey, guys, keep your criticism in-house. Maybe they have. Like, maybe they've brought it up to – decide maybe they brought it up to brian johnson like yo maybe we should try this or that and those two guys are so hard-headed because hey we're 10 and 1 it could hey we're 10 and 2 could be now it, it, it's there's a chance that what you guys are talking about it goes it goes backwards and it backfires and and i've had that that thought too but the other side of it is like maybe they needed this to leak out of like hey guys your crap doesn't stink or your crap does stink yeah it, that was it, it. and look who it was given to good One analogy, of the most Pat. trusted media members there is absolutely among the eagles is Derek gunn uh, look, I've seen it happen before. I've been the guy who's taken it before that it could have been players got together and said, hey, you go tell him this and tell him it's okay to say what I said. It, it could be. It could, it could be. The be. Player, uh, look, I'm just throwing this out and there. And the fact that it went to Derek, you are absolutely correct. Yeah. A guy with a sterling it reputation. It, it could have been thought out by not just that player. Now, maybe it was a player going off. I don't know which one it was, but I just want to put that in people's minds because I've seen it happen and I've had players come to me with it. Uh, it could have been a, hey, we got to get together and get this out in public because they're just not hearing us. I don't know. But, uh, Pat, you make a great, great point. Maybe this is the, the, more the better than it is the bad. I had multiple players one time about an NFL coach who went on radio in Seattle and said, my dream job would be to coach the University of Washington. And that was Jim Mara. And he said that. And I had multiple players on the sly say, he's done with us. He's done. He's, he's lost this locker. Well, any chance. He's lost the locker. Anytime you get to coach the University of Washington, how could you say no to that? <laughs> you know, go Huskies. Am I right, yeah, Bobby? Weather's beautiful. That Jim Mara. Uh, but, I mean, it happens. I, I've never he's seen this. I've never seen it end well, though. I can't think of a situation where people start whisper down the lane campaigns about uh, we're not pleased with this. This doesn't look good where it's ended well. And that concerns me because every single time that I reference in my brain, it ended poorly. Well, the, the ones that we probably don't remember the ones that nothing happened. You know, that we probably don't remember the times players came out and said stuff and then it went away and things continued or got better after that. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say no matter what, it's not. Look, Nick Sirianni is going to get fired at some point. At some point. We, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we all know that. It could be 10 years down the road. Uh, but I, 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 don't, I don't think it's there. That's why I'm surprised we're even – they lost two games in a row. They're it's amazing. Of, you know what I was amazed by last night, John? I'm watching the uh, Miami game a little bit, right? 
Miami's 9-3 and three on the season. They get an interception early in the game, get a touchdown. Fans are going nuts, players, all that stuff. Forget the ending, what happened. This was early in the game. And I'm looking, I'm like, wow, look how happy these fans and this team is to try to get to 10-3. and three. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. We're spoiled rotten. But the thing is, that's the expectation when you lose the Super Bowl. That the the only thing that's going to please us is if we get another shot, another bite at the apple. Yeah. And that And that is... So incredibly hard to do. And right now, a reminder to what Bob's point is. The Eagles have one of the best records ever for a team that lost the Super Bowl the year before. That's incredible. They're they're doing better at handling that Super Bowl hangover than any team has done that we can reference. So I, I ask you this, and we'll start the show with this, and you can get in at 610-632-0975. The, the, the idea of the... The, the little whisper campaign going right now. Do you, do you see that as a crack? Do you see that as something falling apart? I don't, and I'm glad to hear Bob come there because we didn't talk about it before the show. I feel the same way. I feel like this is a bump on the road. Now, and, let me and I think com- people are going to seem, I think people are going to feel stupid in like three weeks when everybody's piling back on the bandwagon. Uh, so while I say I'm surprised at the reaction, don't, don't misconstrued, not you, but listeners. Sure. That I think they're playing crap football right now. Oh, they now. are. And Absolutely. They better as hell fix it because if not, yeah, they're not going anywhere. I think, but I, my um, my point being, like, the ends of the earth that we're going to over two straight losses and how they're playing just surprises me a little bit. 610-632-0975. Overreaction or not, 610-632-0975. Uh, I think by New Year's Eve night, the the you're gonna there are gonna be people taping their ankles to climb back on board the bandwagon. It's the Jackie K show. We're live in our performance studio today, which uh, David Auto usually brings you that uh, here. We got the beautiful uh, setup here. We'll have our audience showing up for a special Tuesday edition. Angelo Cataldi promotes his book Loud with us in the eight o'clock hour. And uh, thanks for hanging out with us, Jackie K show on ninety seven five The Fanatic. Ninety seven five The Fanatic. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. 97.5 The Fanatic. 6 a.m. sponsors Bradford White Water Heaters. Bradford White is here for the pro. Angelo Cataldi joins us at 8 a.m. this morning on the show. Uh, you can uh, tune in on our YouTube channel. The uh, prize wheel is going to be awesome today because it's double. Yeah. It's a double prize wheel opportunity. And, Pat, I got informed I did it wrong yesterday, so I'll do it right today. It's all right. We'll you know, see. I mean, did you do it wrong? Because we got a winner. Yeah, the rules of the uh, the uh, there are a lot of rules in these things. I you think make it's, a good point. Pat. I think it went right. Did you I, really I, do it wrong, John? You had a winner. We had a winner. That's and all that matters. And we want two for two today. Yeah, we made dreams come true today. Eight o'clock. We hope that you'll uh, join us for that. So, uh, and I asked right off the start of the show today is is I have never we see now whispers coming out of the Eagles locker room. That has been something, and I am not speaking from a position of power, of understanding of, hey, I'm in that locker room three times a week. A lot of people try to give you that illusion on Sports Talk Radio. No, I'm, I'm dealing with just with what has been made public by very reputable media members. And to me, I've never seen that end well, 
for a coach, for an administration, I'm hoping that this is just going to be something that can be passed over. Dom from Glassboro is on the line at 610-632-0975. Dom, good morning. You're on the Fanatic. What do you think about those locker room whispers? On the surface, it's not something you want to say. Like you say, it's never really ended well. But at the same time, we're at a point in the season where they may need something drastic to really change this offense around, especially the offense. You guys remember last year where it seemed like whenever a team would give us a ball first, it almost seemed like, yep, that's seven on the board. They scored They scored on every drive someone gave them the ball first. Every time on a coin flip, they scored on that drive. Only once was it a field goal. Every other time was a touchdown. Exactly. And the offense, it just doesn't have that flow anymore. Even the plays we do make, it doesn't seem like it's coming easy. Everything feels like Jalen either has to drop a ball in the perfect spot or Devonta and AJ, they have to make an amazing catch. So I hope it's something that gets the offense back in the room. It could be a sign of unraveling, but at this point, we got to get back on track if we want to go anywhere in January. Thanks, Tom. Any uh, any idea, guys, why the birds are three and a half point underdogs on Monday uh, night? Not playing well in Seattle. They don't I, play, they, I mean, I, I'm with you. Like I, I jumped I, on it this morning already. As soon as I saw the hook, the three and a hook, I took it. I, I never buy into like, oh, well, the team hasn't won in Seattle, so blah, blah, blah. Like, new team. Has nothing to do new with this team. team right? Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. No, what, I mean, Las Vegas is just playing what the fans are thinking, what the betting people are thinking. Everybody's thinking, oh, the Eagles suck right now. Why would you make them a favorite, have all the money go one way and have a chance to lose it all that Yeah, way, and that's you know? what people are jumping on. I jumped on it. As soon as I saw it on the bet parks at three and a half, I'm like, done, finished. Because I don't believe, I do not believe they're going to Seattle and losing this game. I just don't. And that's terrible because there is really, there is, they've given me every reason to have at least mild yeah, doubt. I, I'm, I am 100% with you. Like You really are too. Yeah. I, look, look at the two teams that they lost the last two weeks. They lost to San Francisco, who is now the Super Bowl favorite, and they lost to the Dallas Cowboys, who were ten and three right there with you. Like they didn't lose to Tommy DeVito, to talk, right? Exactly. They, you know, they, I mean, they lost to like the creme de la creme of the league. All right, you want to throw the Jets game in there? You know that whatever. Um, but I'm I'm with you. Like I don't think Geno Smith or Drew Locke, and God, I hope I hope on Monday I'm not regretting this, but I I don't think that. The Eagles are so bad, and, and the deficiencies are so big that you still can't manage to beat those guys. I, I think this team is good enough, despite the deficiencies, to go into Seattle and, and keep the, the the Seattle Seahawks in check. That's what I like about your, uh, your, your fandom, Pat, is that you can have the irrational Monday or slightly irrational Monday no, that, it's all irrational. Of us, that all of us have. It's but, all, but all of us have it to some degree whether it's Sunday night watching the game or Monday morning, but Tuesday morning to wake up and go, it's not. It's what Bob's saying. It's not the, the, the sky is falling, everything is terrible, this team's awful. They lost to two of the best teams. It will maybe show us, though, Bob, that maybe they're not one of the best teams. Maybe they're not in the league Very of well these could. best teams. Very well could show us that they're, when they're bad, they're bad as in uh, good enough to overcome themselves. You know, we know San Francisco lost three in a row. We know that Dallas hit a little bit of a slump there. That happens during an NFL season. How bad is your bad and how good is your good? Well, the the Eagles' bad this year for them has been bad so far, but against two great teams. But it's how good has their good been? Has their good been good enough? And that's what we questioned when it got yes. to 10 and 1. Is their good good enough to take them to a Super Bowl? I look at San Francisco 
crushing Dallas, crushing Philadelphia. Their good seems to be good enough. I watched Dallas the other night play the Eagles. Well, their good seems to be better than anything I've seen good from the Eagles this year. Follow what I'm saying? Like, that when right, you look at the teams that are good enough to get to the Super Bowl, and NFC, it's just the three teams that we sure. talked about. When the Eagles have played their best game, is it better than when the 49ers have played their best no. game? Is it better than when Dallas has no, played their best game? No, not this year. Last yeah, year it was. So that's the way I kind of look at it. Is your best the best out of everybody? Now, you're not going to need your best all the time, but it's going to be something that you can go to. Uh, if the Eagles play the 49ers again, is one of those teams going to play their best game of the year in order to beat the other team? I don't know, maybe, but but probably not. But do you have the best of what's good enough to beat that team. You, I haven't seen it in the Eagles yet this year. Yeah, I haven't. And, and that's one of the things is that even in, like, best win, are we going to say... Uh, Buffalo. Are we gonna, the Buffalo win or the Miami win? I think the Miami win was the most complete win over a good team. Yeah, so but... Say it, Dallas? It, it's, it's two different kinds of wins, you know? I mean, Explain. Miami, Miami, you've got a, a pretty damn good team, even though they lost last night. you got a pretty damn good team, and you beat them, I think, pretty soundly. Yes. Complete, yeah. Uh, Buffalo, even though they're not as good, uh, they did they did just have a nice win in Kansas. Gutsy as hell. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll fight you tooth and nail, and it it showed me another element of this football team that they can in crunch time get it done. So that's why like I'm more impressed by that. When the chips are down, how do you respond? And and they responded pretty well, but you know then again they followed it up with you know two horrible performances against San Francisco and Dallas so uh but but it but it just showed me something about this team and and it's you know hey in crunch time minute 45 one tour game I, I have faith now that Jalen Hurts can can go down the field because I've seen it yeah well I, last year in the Super Bowl I said I, I wouldn't doubt that he has that ability ever again because that was to me was a supreme performance especially when they fell behind uh, you know, and we've seen it a few times this year when they've needed Jalen to buckle up and, and get it done. I just think this defense is going to be what holds them back. And, and to me, the defense is a tro- Again, I can't get over that the Eagles are a bottom five scoring defense. Like, I can't believe that Future. this is in this city. That's never acceptable. So, yeah, how was this team built for this year? Right, they're built for your offense to outscore teams. Yes, absolutely. You, you didn't put a lot of uh, credence into uh, buying linebackers or drafting linebackers or buying safeties or drafting safeties or having backups to two older uh, cornerbacks. You you kind of just said we're going to piece it together. Hopefully, you know it's good enough, and the offense is going to outscore teams. And now your defense is playing worse than you thought they were going to be, like you said, with the bottom five. And I can't now, believe it. Still. When your offense can't click to overcome it, uh, you know, do you have to win games like you did against the Buffalo Bills? Uh, is that the makeup of this team? I think yeah. it is when you're playing a team like the Buffalo Bills. I yeah. better not see that against the Giants and Arizona. I better not see a 27-27 tie with the Giants and Tommy DeVito. If I do, then I will be willing to write off the season and say they're not who we thought they were. I'm trying to find the third down conversion stat, and if I do, against I'll, them, it's terrible. Because yeah, because you say like they're they're bottom five in, in scoring defense, and I go my, my immediate thought was, oh, that makes sense. They can't get off the field in third down. Like they have been horrible, terrible at getting off the field in third. It could be third and the building right now, and I'd go, oh well, whoever's converting. And that's a horrible feeling to have. And that's on the coaching staff to, to, to figure out, like, what the hell is the issue on third down that we can get them to third and long, and then it becomes a problem. Like, we, we had Stats Guerrero on before the, before the 49ers game. 
And he goes, you know, the key to the key to beating the 49ers is get them in third and long. They don't do well, third and long. Right. Well, you couldn't get them in third they, and long. They fixed that against the birds. They looked yeah, they great. Did. Anytime they were third and long. Anytime it was like, oh, t- don't worry about it. We got this. And then you followed up against Dallas, and it's the same story where it's third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, and they're converting, I mean, habitually. I, I was one, Bob. As much as we're concerned about this Eagles defense, and, and the stat that you just pulled out, Pat, is phenomenal. Like As much as we're concerned about their ability or lack thereof, I'm really concerned about the health. you're throwing the same guys out there doing the same thing every time. Like last night in the Miami game, Miami gets a sack by by doing something really cool. It was a really nice stunt where a guy faked a rush, waited, had an inside guy take two guys with him, then came around the other end, came up to a wide-open lane, sacked a quarterback. How many times did we see that last year? All the time. All the time. We saw stunts. We saw, you know. Did we see that, though, Bob, when they were leading? That last year they were up by se- uh, up by ten. They could have done whatever they wanted, you know. Right, like, they did. They, yeah, because yeah, they're, you're pinning your ears back, and that's that's part of what you know the numbers were last year because they had such leads, knowing teams had to throw the ball. You can just go after the quarterback, but the 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 grind of going one on one with this just four man rush so many times, I, you know, you get really concerned. I, I just looked up the numbers real quick over the last four games since the bye. Plays for the other team, 297. Plays for the Eagles, 240. Okay, that's terrible. I, I mean, the defense is on the field just way The offense doesn't much. have ball control, and, and it, it, it's crazy with that. I want something positive to start the day. So let's have something positive, Bob, is that Joel Embiid and the Sixers, and you heard it last night right here on 97.5, the Fanatic, laid a beat down on a really bad team. But to me, that is what you do with really bad teams. You exert your dominance, and you do it in a huge way. One of the biggest wins in Sixers franchise history yesterday. Point-wise. Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't want yeah, not to the, come not the game. Yes, that exactly. a big one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Uh, they're, they're fun to watch. They are. And, you know, it's like anything. I was talking to a coach. Oh, Billy Lang, I guess it was. Okay. From St. Congratulations Coast. to Big Five champion. Yeah. He, Billy he's, Lang. He's, he's turned that program around. He's yeah, doing an incredible well. job. But but we were just, we were texting or whatever, and he's like, yo, Coon, when, yeah, you can, you can say you love my offense, but it looks so much better when shots are going in. He said, That's if we're not truth. making shots, it doesn't matter how good we move and pass the ball. Sixers are moving and passing the ball, and God, when they make shots, yeah, it looks terrific. They jump out last night like 12 nothing. Uh, Washington had no right being in that game. But, John, to your point, it just seems to be a more fun group. You know, you addressed after two seasons ago, oh, we need to get tougher. So they go and get P.J. Tucker. Okay, yeah, he'll, he'll get in a fight for you. He'll, he'll fight for a loose ball for you. But what else did he bring? Uh, now they now they tried to do the same thing this year with Patrick Beverly, and they brought him in, and he's fun. Like, he, he he's a good teammate. He can Love score. Pat, he can defend. He cracks open a Miller Lite on the, on the podium while he's talking to the media. He's enjoying... Game. Before and after the game. But it's uh, it's one of my topics that we'll talk about. Maybe we'll get it to later, but it, you know what? I'm sure. going to get into it now. Do Joel it. Embiid seems to be playing the most dominant basketball I've ever seen him play. And I mean it in a way of forget looking at numbers. Watch every time they come down the floor. He is their best playmaker by far. And I don't mean it just by, oh, yeah, we all know he can score. No, he wants the ball. He wants to pass the ball. He wants to set up the offense. He wants to make the picks that will set up a guy either to get open himself or the second pass will be open from there. Watch him offensively. If you can just watch him and how involved he is in this offense – 
it is the likes of they're running everything through him. It sounds like an obvious statement, but when you really watch it, it's more so this year than it's ever been. And ever. I, I love the rotations, Pat. I, because I got tired of Doc, and I loved, and I was a fan of Doc, but I uh, and I believed that he still could have won. But the the rotations, you knew exactly what was going to happen. When was Embiid going to sit? Here was it. The, with yep. Nick Nurse, you never know. And by the way, he could, Nick Nurse has found ways to sit Joel Embiid for entire fourth quarters. Yeah, for, I, mean, like, I mean, last night to get him rest in that situation, you know, it, it to me it goes like, okay, well, you were able to get him, you know, a whole quarter of rest. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't look to sit him in a future game. Maybe you can add these. You know, it's kind of like when I when I did the the Eagles exercise last season. Of look, they took the last six minutes off of this game. They took the last four minutes off of that game. You add it up, and and it worked. You know, they, they saved themselves a game. Yeah, I mean, my the most impressive thing to me was they're dominating last night. They're they're blowing out the Wizards, and you've got Robert Covington getting fourteen minutes. KJ Martin six, Marcus Morris twelve. Daniel House, 9, Paul Reed, 13, Mo Bamba, 8, Pat Bev, 11, Kelly Oubre, 18, Furkan Korkmaz, Jared Springer, 9 each. Like, this wasn't like a one-minute to – No. That, and the entire team got run. And I, I'm sorry, but against Doc, he did you, would have, you would have had Furkan and Jer, uh, Jaden Springer getting one minute each. The uh, Yeah, the thing that he's doing with Embiid, I think, is really playing him. So what Brett Brown did, what Doc Rivers did was they would play Embiid the first seven, eight minutes of the first quarter, then sit him and sit him for a couple more minutes to start the second quarter and then bring him back in. And it was that way third and fourth quarter also, depending on how the game was. Nick Nurse plays him for the whole first quarter. Yes. So he plays that whole first quarter, and I think Embiid really enjoys that. I think it gets him into a rhythm. I think he, he's more focused of, okay, I'm not going anywhere until this quarter's over. He comes out for the second quarter, and he'll sit him until about the seven-minute mark, maybe the six-minute mark, and he gets his run there. And then third quarter, it's the same thing. You're playing the whole third quarter, dude. And I like it because if they have that huge lead and he starts the fourth on the bench, which he'll do no matter what, you can just keep him there. Next, yeah. next time we have Nick on, Coach Nurse, uh, I want to answer that because it almost is like the last year where we saw the Eagles be so dominant when they got out to leads that maybe that the, the whole mentality is put the foot in the throat early. Don't wait till the fourth quarter be. to do it. That should be. I mean, you know, and we when we did have Nick Nurse on, and you know, he said something interesting that he's pretty sure he understands his rotation now. But there's a couple guys like KJ Martin that he hasn't had a chance to put in game like that. Yeah, you, you want to go out there and dominate a bad team, all right? That might be able to lose to some G League opponents and uh, and, and get some run for some of these younger guys that normally won't get it because you're 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 playing a good opponent. I mean, that's the whole like. And I, I said this early on the season. You're going to have three games on the schedule every month where you go like, okay, this is a litmus test game. Right. And everything else is like, eh. You know, you're good enough to win. But if you can dominate that game, if you can dominate lesser opponents and get him beat and maxi out and get them some rest and get some of the depth guys going and, and, and I be able to identify whether they're keepers or not for the stretch run, that to me is a, a bigger win than the actual win itself. I, when, when players or coaches give us or say something that I really like, I'll always jot it down. Nick Nurse made my notebook this year a couple of weeks ago when talking to him and he said, we were talking about rotations and he goes, yeah, I'm weird. I, I like to have my best players on the floor a lot you know we're asking about playing time with Joel likes and all that. I, yeah, I like putting my best players on the floor a lot I, I mean you know tongue-in-cheek and all but it, it's true 
Like, what rules his day? Having my best players on the floor to win the game. Not getting rest for them when it's supposed to be, you know, out there. Which notebook is that? Because you go through, like, four a year? Yeah. What do you go, like, three a year? uh, I would say three or four. Four is probably a good number. So is there, like, a Kenny? Is there going to be, like, a Cooney library one day? Like, when you do retire, they'll have, like, sort of like they have for ex-presidents? The Cooney? No. We can go back and read the the stories. There's not not great stuff to Pat, we have to grab these. My dad has that. My dad has kept a journal for like 40 years and he's got them like in a bookcase. He's waiting until the 2020 when you're featured. He, no, he wants he to said, be able to, he wants he, to be able to go back and say, I saw this with Pat. He said he wants to, he wants to be buried with him. He doesn't want his little story. Getting <laughs> I saw it coming. I yeah. saw it coming. You'll never know. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll never, ever know. It's probably for the best. Honestly, <laughs> Pat, Pat says something about if the Eagles failed to advance in the postseason to the Super Bowl. These are the people we'll blame. At least he will. We'll get to it next. John Kincaid will have a live audience coming up today. It is a usual first Friday studio, but it is uh, Tuesday the 12th. Angelo Cataldi will be here. Uh, he did sports radio for a while in this town. Uh, he'll join us at 8 o'clock. We look forward to him as uh, he promotes his book loud with us here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. I just had to check something because Mark Petro t- tipped me off to it. Uh, the Eagles are not underdogs. They're favorites. And I bet the favorite. Damn it. What's wrong with that? I don't like betting fa- I don't like betting favorites. Yeah, but if you think, I mean. I don't like betting favorites, though. Yeah, I would have I bet money line then or something. I would have found some way to make it a little more appealing. But I don't know. But uh, the uh, Eagles I mean, are. You e- could have uh, bet Tyreek Hill last night over 100 yards. You could have done that. And that like could have been. some idiots. That would night have, might have who, turned out who, well for who me. Might, who might be sitting on this show <laughs> right now. Hey, Jockey Kate Show on 97.5, the fanatic. Me. And if, if Pat wants to. Look, all of us want to see the Eagles advance to the Super Bowl. Every one of us wants to see this be a. What did you call it? A, not a lull. There was a word that Rob, you used. Uh, rough like, spot? A, like a rough spot. You know, this is bounce. But if that's true, if they don't advance to the Super Bowl, Pat Egan says, look at these guys. So who's going to be, who, who are you blaming, Pat? This is Pat's point of view. Here's Pat. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi, Pat. Pat. I'm Pat. Have a seat. Uh, this is my point of view. Yeah, if they don't reach the Super Bowl, it's it's on the coordinators and coaching staff. It's, it's on the coaching staff in the sense of Nick Sirianni for not bringing these guys in and going, Yo, this isn't working. You need to change it. And it's on the coaching staff for not changing it. Because both sides of the ball have talent. You can't convince me of that, that they don't. I mean, you have a, a defense that had 70 sacks last year. And for the most part, the guys that accumulated most of those sacks are back. You swap out Javon Hargrave and you replace him with the defensive rookie of the year. And, and he's going to win the defensive rookie of the year. Um, offensively, you have an offense that is absolutely loaded to the gills. I mean, they are stacked with talent. And now you've got guys going, yeah, our our, our routes are, are completely predictable and boring. And it goes to, to what, Bob, you've been saying this entire time. It's, hey, go up to the tree, make a left, and then go to the, go to the Corolla, make a right, I'll hit you. It's, it's boring. There's no creativity. So if they fail with this roster to get to the Super Bowl, I'm looking at the coordinators, and it goes to what you've talked about, John. The the worry going into the season. You have two inexperienced coordinators. And for a team with the highest of expectations. Yeah, and look, it worked last time, and I think that's probably why they did it. You know, it's a little bit of a, of it didn't a, work year of one, a fault. It didn't, but 
they also didn't have a ton of talent year one. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily blame Sirianni for doing it. You got to keep in mind too. Sirianni wanted Vic Fangio as your defensive coordinator. The whole mess with Jonathan Gannon. Okay, he's going to stay. Wait, he's not staying. You know that changed some things. But you replace him with a guy who had a cup of coffee in Chicago as the DC. Brian Johnson. Okay, I was a fan of the Brian Johnson hire. I mean, hand up. You know, because I didn't think that a guy that sat in the building and watched the offense last year would be able to just absolutely neuter this offense, but he did. Uh, so, if uh, look, we had high expectations for this team. We should have had high expectations for this team. And if they don't reach the Super Bowl, then I'm looking at Sean Desai and Brian Johnson as the two goats. Yeah, you know, when you look at this defense, and, and obviously we give a lot of um – we cast a lot of blame or doubt, I should say, on the cornerbacks. Have they lost a step? Is it the scheme? I, 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 I'll tell you, last night I'm watching both games a little bit. And I'm looking and, and I'm saying, uh, okay, uh, these guys aren't all pro world cornerbacks. Okay. And yet they're scheming it up okay to make other teams at least, you know, not score nine straight times on them. I mean, think about it. Yeah, it's you true. You say Bradbury lost a step, Slay lost a step. I think step. they have. They were first-team All-Pros last year. Yeah. And, okay, I should be able to live with a guy who was a first-team All-Pro one year and then lost a half a step the next year. I should be able to live with it not to the tune of allowing teams to score nine, pose- ten possessions in a row. Think about that. Ten possessions in a row. We look at this Eagles defense now and we say they can't stop anybody. Yep. You can't go from one extreme to the other even if they've lost a half a step. Well, I think I think a, a, a big problem, and it's a big problem, I think, in regards to the – to the entire um, NFL is, and we talk about the ego thing. It's, okay, my scheme will work. So these players will adapt to my scheme. Why don't you build a scheme around the players you have, right? Like, why don't you sit there and Square go, pick okay, round hole. you know, yeah, this guy is really good at press coverage, so we're going to build a scheme around the press coverage and not just back them up into the parking lot and have them cover that way. I think Desai came in and he thought, "Oh, my scheme is going to be great, and we'll, you know, the, the players will adapt." Well, they haven't adapted. Well, like it, there's not really a pass rush to speak of. Uh, Josh Sweats had been offsides more times than he's actually gotten to the quarterback in the last three games. Hassan Reddick is basically it. Dallas ran right down your throat up the middle. I mean, this defense is from the top down is just bad. Then why are you going defense though? As far as it seems like the the ire and all of us. You know, have an eye for the defense. The offense is what's loaded. The offense is what's stacked. Because I don't and the think, offense is letting them down, and I, it comes out every single game and doesn't put the defense in a position hey, to succeed. I agree. Like this is a this is a bad pitching you know, contest I, because right. they both they both aren't being they both aren't good. <laughs> yeah, they're so both we'll zip up our flies, but it, it's 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 bad both both sides. I don't think the defense is. I think the defense and Sean Desai will get a pass because people just immediately go like, oh, they don't really have talent. And they do. I think they do have talent. That's the thing. I think that Sean Desai's put them in a position to make it look like they don't have talent. You're right, though. The offense is supposed to be loaded, and they haven't put the yeah. defense in a good position where the defense now is playing a ton of snaps. Last three games, they've been, they've been on the field the majority of the game. They most in the NFL over three games. That's pathetic. Yeah, they've got to be worn out. He, he's, he's, they're, they're not doing well, but I think we can't let the, the players off the hook. I mean, Darius Slay's more worried about right now about being on social media and, and, and arguing his statistics with people, which also is a bad sign. I've never seen that be a good thing. 
It's, we're letting players yeah. off the hook, too, a little bit because the coaches have been so bad. They've given you the ammunition to do it. Well, you know, if I'm a Darius Slay and I'm in my car and I hear one of us morons saying he's lost a half a step, like, that that gets to me. That, that ticks me off. Uh, I'd rather him spend his time on social media questioning people about himself than sitting in a bar with a gun in his pocket and shooting himself <laughs> in the thigh or something. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, I got you. Uh, yeah. He's not Plaxico. So, yes. It's okay. That, that's where we are now as far as, as the way things go. Uh, but, look, you, you throw any defense together, a defensive coordinator shouldn't allow his team to be given up the fifth most points in all of the NFL. And I don't care if guys have taken a step back. You know, we talk about scheme an awful lot, Pat. And, and how many times when somebody's playing the Eagles, do the announcers on TV, the analysts on TV say something like, oh, look what Buffalo did here. They, they ran a scheme where they're having somebody spy on Jalen Hurts, their linebacker, you know, and he's filling this gap right here because he is the spyer or different things like that. Or like I said the other night, John, against Dallas. They must have shown four times C.D. Lamb running a pattern and, and just showing how good of a pattern he ran. They don't do that with the Eagles. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen an, an individual. All right, watch this pattern by A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. They'll show a catch. They won't show how good the pattern was, though, because the patterns aren't great. They're either outs or ups, and it, that's pretty much it. It's on, uh, and it would be on. If these coordinators fail, Pat, and putting a bow on this, if these coordinators fail, that's on Nick Sirianni, yep. Jeffrey Lurie, and Howie Roseman. And I don't know which portion of the pie to blame, but I would think it's Sirianni the most. I'd see. Because I'd, I'd they, catered, they catered to Jalen Hurts with the hire yeah. of Brian Johnson. They catered to him with this hire, somebody that he was familiar with and friends with and known since he was three years old. I don't give a damn about that. I wanted a guy with, – with, if coming off of what the, the season they had – I wanted experienced at least at one of the positions. So if you told me you were getting Brian Johnson, I wanted a defensive coordinator that was experienced. Yeah, I had the I opposite. Had, I had no problem with Brian Johnson. He was the I one that I was more comfortable with. Yeah, as Pat too. said, he was in the building. He was all that. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know who the hell Sean Desai was until his name popped up as a I only knew him from guy. Temple and Pat. And then, yeah, then I looked him up, and the numbers of the defenses he's been around in the NFL aren't exactly spectacular. No. Uh, you wonder if, if the organizational M.O. is, hey, if we interview a guy and he says I'm taking chances and not keeping the ball in front of me all the time, he's out. Uh, I don't know if the side came in and said, yeah, keep the ball in front. We, we play back. Keep it in front. Ben, don't break. And they were like, <laughs> I think you're what, a guy. I, I'm guessing. And what, this is a, is that? This is a, yeah, like a dog panning. This is a complete guess on my part. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> is that Nick Sirianni says, here's the kind of defense I want to run for my philosophy. And then Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie get involved heavily in who's going to get that job. You can't tell me that Nick Sirianni wants to run this defense. I, no, like, this it, defense no, is, he said that. He said yeah, that but this interview. defense is the polar opposite well, of what I saw last year. I mean, well, this defense sucks. I remember last year, we, we, it was everybody like wanted to run the defensive and, coordinator at Well, him. no, I mean, I don't even care about that. Like, last, I know last people year, don't want to look back and go, how stupid were we? Right, how stupid it, were it, we? It, I mean... Look, I was a Jonathan Gannon guy, but I know my, you were. My, my thing with Jonathan Gannon was he the opening press conference. He says when they asked him what kind of defense you were going to run, he said, "I don't know what players I have right now." Like that was a guy, music to my ears. You're going exactly. to you're going to cater your defense around right. the players you have. Wow, what a, what a concept! And Desai came in and he's going, "No, no, no, square peg round hole." Like, dude, you're, you check your ego at the door. And, and that's something that Sirianni did year one. He checked his ego at the door. His play calling sucked. He came back from, from Vegas with us, and he goes, yeah, I, I can't do this. And he handed it off to Shane Steichen. And, and he talked great. about flowers and, flowers and, it, it and, worked. and pots and pottery hey, and soil. 
Bulbs? Uh, uh, 7 a.m. hour is brought to you by the all-new Bet Parks app. Get on in it this morning, the Bet Parks app. Sportsbook and Casino on one sleek, easy-to-use app in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Ohio, and Maryland. So they get the whole uh, Big Ten covered. Remember, at 8 o'clock today, we'll spin the prize wheel. Brendan's got it in here for us, so we've got the prize wheel going. So somebody who registered at 97.5thefanatic.com has a chance to win two prizes. We just gave away one yesterday because we were first. Best show ever yesterday. No one called in. So you're going to get a chance to win two prizes today. It's exciting. Which is pretty nice, and we hope to have yeah, what, that. What, what, didn't, what didn't they call in for yesterday? Uh, they did not call the, in for the $150 Amazon gift card and passes to see uh, Silent Night. Well, that little website. You know. Now, is Silent Night the... Not a, not a ton is that on the that horror movie? Uh, yeah, it is. It's like we're... Yeah. I mean, $150 gift card on Amazon. That's great. Yes. Incredible. So yeah. somebody's going to win that plus another prize. And then the movie pass. I like the movie passes personally. You know? Don't you go to movies for free? I, I, I do what I do. Yeah, Let's I not get into personal like, questions. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not into too much. I'm going to ask you it's right now. For everybody. That's right. Is this, is this Eagles team the best team we've ever had that you sort of hate watched? Ooh. Because I've gonna, I'm going to no, tell you. Right. No, let me just stop. Okay. The dream team. What? The dream team had talent. Yeah, but they weren't. Yeah, but they didn't have. They, 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 they weren't as good as they weren't as good. They weren't a ten and three team. No, the but, dream team but crapped out. No, I watched them. It's got to be the best team. Oh, the you, best are team. You so just Eagles or all any all... sport. They so you, when you say best team, this town. the best team. Your record wise, you're t- we're complaining in this town. I didn't know you were talking a, record. Yeah, we're complaining about a ten and three team, and and that look. If someone told you the Eagles back in the spring, if someone said to you, the Eagles are going to be 10-3 and three through 13 games, you absolutely would have signed in blood and said, I'll take it, especially looking at the gauntlet that has been put out there. But I've got to tell you, it is the most aggravating, annoying, really good team I've ever seen in Philadelphia that I haven't enjoyed watching. I tried to think of Phillies teams. I tried to think of Eagles teams in the past. I tried to think of Sixers teams. That were really, really good, like elite NFL teams. This team was number one in the NFL for a year, one season, and then an additional 13 weeks. And they're annoying as hell to watch. Well, I think the problem, it's, it's always going to go back to the Eagles because you've got the Flyers, the Phillies especially, and then the Sixers. When you're a really good team, you're going to win more times than you don't. So you don't really hate watch because like last night for the six of prime example, like they win by, by like 40 points. So you're going to have more of nights like that when the team is really, really good than down nights. Whereas with football with only 17 games, you know, those losses jump out in neon. Think of the good Andy Reid teams then. Was there anyone? Because I never yeah. I never watched a really good Andy Reid team and was like, man, this team annoys the hell out of me. Sunday night, I was, as my wife said, it's the steroids I think are still in my body. She goes, you never curse. And you're cursing left oh, and right. Every other play. And I do not curse. Better ask father to take care of you. Well, father, no, 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 no. There's only, no, play. GD and JC are the only curse words. As we learned when uh, father once went off on Dave Schultz. My wife will tell you differently. So, every other word was the F word in my household <laughs> on Sunday night. You know, we're we're doing such this recency bias on this. After 11 games, this isn't even a topic of conversation. Oh, my God, is this the worst team we've watched with the most frustration that was really good? Uh, you know, they still won 11 games. Yeah, we had our skepticism about the way they were winning and all. So it's unbelievable that we're going to these depths after after two really bad losses, but understandable that we are. No, I, this isn't even the worst watch of a season for the Eagles for me. Okay, what is it? That uh, came in 1991 
when Randall Cunningham got hurt in his first game, and I watched the most incredible defense that maybe the NFL, besides the 85 Bears, has ever seen be first in overall defense, first in pass defense, and first in rush defense for almost the whole season. It was McMahon. And didn't have a quarterback. Yeah, it was Pat McMahon, Ryan. It was Pat Ryan. It was. I Who remember. Else? I remember watching a Monday night game because we had this thing at at uh, Hands or something, and uh, that we went to every Monday night game and watching. I'm like, I can't believe this team is so good. And you have Pat Ryan a quarterback, and it was just so fr- uh, Kemp. Oh, Kemp, yeah, right? Jeff Kemp, yeah, Jeff Kemp, there Jeff for, Kemp for part of the season. And Any relation? Who was it? Matt Kemp. Kemp. I can't remember. No, it was dad, one of them. His dad was Jack Kemp. Jack Kemp. It was it, it yeah. was Jeff Kemp. So it was Jeff. So Is that the Mount Rushmore was, Kemp's. Yeah. Oh, yes. That was uh, not him, Kemp. That was the uh, worst, most frustrating season for me. Watching what could have been just play out before you for sixteen. Do weeks. we sound like? Little whiny bees. Oh, we sound like that no matter if the team's winning or losing. That is correct. Yeah. I mean, that is I very insightful on your do. part. At least Pat. I do. But 10 and 3, I mean, I, is, I don't want to hear, <laughs> whenever I hear someone say, well, they're 10 and 3. They're 10 and 3. It is nails down the blackboard to me because there's a difference in how you present yourself. There's a difference in how you play. And if the Eagles finish, the Eagles could finish conceivably 14 and 3, just like they did last year. And this 14-3, and three, to me, will look nothing like last year's. Nothing at all. They will be incredibly different. And I think it will be more of a statement on how bad the NFC is than it will be how good the Eagles were. You, you've, got, you've got two guys, right? Two guys, they each make $100,000 a year. Last year, the Eagles were the guy that works four hours a day. Right, he you know, hops on the computer, moves uh, a couple stocks around. So he's Joe he calls it. Yeah, he's Joe Z. Okay, right. right. And then this year's Eagles team, yeah, they're making $100,000 a year. But, I mean, they're working 90-hour weeks, grinding it out, having no fun and, and, you know, I mean, no social life. Like, that's this Eagles team. Like, which one would you rather be? Well, I'd rather be the guy that's working four hours a day and just kicking back and watching Netflix. Not the guy who's working 90 hours a week. And while it's great you're working, you're making $100,000, like, you have no social life. You have nothing to speak of, really, other than, you know, a bank account. All right, a couple things on this real quick. Uh, last year's quarterbacks at the, and, and teams that the Eagles went against don't compare anything to this year's. That schedule. is correct. And so to be 10-3, and three, that should be it. What if we switch seasons? What if we put this season last year and last year to this year? Would our reaction be totally different? Absolutely. We didn't expect last year right. So last year you have a team comes in, Nick Sirianni in his second year. You just came off a 9-7 and seven season, played one playoff game. You had a defensive coordinator that said, and the quarterback can't read. And you go ten and three to this point last season against the teams you face now, we would be euphoria. Oh my God, this is incredible! Yeah, these last two games are bad, but they can come back and win yeah. games, all that. And then you jump into last year's season this year. Yeah, it's where you expected. Uh, it's, but you it's can't go like backwards sh- from last. No, year. like you know what I mean. No, as far as you yeah, can't yeah. go back to this this level of play from an NFC champion defending NFC champion that, to me is disgusting. Yeah. That's my point. My point is that you can't compare last season to this season. You just can't. And and you know the scheduling was so much easier it's hard last not year. To, the court, it's hard not to because you've set the precedent of what right, you are. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is how the players have to look at it, and I think that's why Sirianni preached it. Maybe he saw something like this coming, and, and or I shouldn't say saw it, but maybe he knows something like this is coming. Nobody goes through a season perfect. One team did, and that was the Miami Dolphins 100 years ago. Like, nobody goes through a season perfectly. So maybe this is part of the one step at a time, don't look at the top of the mountain, just keep climbing. Maybe this is all part of it, and this – 
stretch coming up will will make him look like a, a better coach than maybe we even thought he was. And they need to think about this because next year you've got at the Ravens, at Cincinnati. You're going at Cincinnati and at the Ravens. Those are two brutal games. You got Cleveland coming in here. They're a really tough team. Uh, you know, you're playing the Steelers again, but you get to play them at home. You're going to play the uh, NFC North champion, the Lions. You'll play them here. Uh, you'll get that one. But then you've got to go on the road, too. You're going to have to go on the road to the AFC South champion. So you got to go on the road there. So you're going to go to Jacksonville. All right, so that's all. Potential. Jacksonville? No, never mind. Yeah, see, that's I was what I'm thinking, saying. I, 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 I thought you said NFC South. Oh, no, it's AFC South. Yeah. Uh, but AFC South is the one, and then the NFC West, too. you got to go to the NFC West champs, and next year you're playing at the 49ers. You look at the schedule, it's going to be more like it. Last year's schedule isn't happening again. At Cincinnati, at Baltimore, at San Francisco, at Dallas. Those are four, ra- like, really radically tough games. You're getting way ahead of yourself, though. No, but I'm saying it plays way to this year. Yourself. It does. I guarantee it. Bob won't look ahead. I, I'd rather have a tough schedule. Now, than... as soon as you said next year's schedule, I'd... Bob I'd, won't look ahead. Down. He just yeah, won't do I, it. I had no idea. Got Seattle. I didn't know. Who, I, all I knew you were playing next year was the Dallas Cowboys twice. I knew you were playing the Commanders twice. Maybe the and then Giants. maybe the Giants and, twice. Yeah. And when I hear about... One the, home, one on, on the road. And when I hear about the quarterbacks that the Eagles face this year, all I can think of is... Every other team tends to make Sam Howell look very, very pedestrian. The Eagles make him look like a pro bowler. And that is where this has been unacceptable. Is he and still it's like, leading the league in passing? He's unbelievable. And that, to me, is Eric Bieniemy too, gets credit, a little credit for that. I'll but they're you, not winning. Yeah. But they're not winning. Yeah, But, but it, look at his subtraction from, from the subtraction from Kansas City, yeah. which isn't too. Is it Patrick still whining, by the way? Any, any, Look, we, he just, we have the wine play him. on him. He, he doesn't want the refs making a call like that in a big game. Isn't that great? He doesn't. He doesn't remember the. If, he's never had it happen before. We don't. We don't want to. I didn't want that uh, holding call with one fifty to go in the Super Bowl to decide the game either. You know, Patrick. I mean, it's. I mean, it's in fairness, bad. I probably would have had the same reaction at Mahomes had I been close to the ref in that moment. Yeah, the, the video. I was, I was, I was not happy with it. It was yeah. a penalty, just like uh, Kadarius Tony. But I wasn't happy with it. I would have had a few hey, choice words for the ref. Hey, carve out your holiday gift list with the Fanatics deal of the week. This week, you get a lift ticket to Montage Mountain for just forty bucks. Get this exclusive offer while supplies last at 975thefanatic.com. Keyword deal. These things have been selling out fast. It seems like everybody wants to go skiing. So uh, get to Montage Mountain for just 40 bucks. The exclusive deal available for you again at 975thefanatic.com. Michael, if you can hold on, if you want to jump in on this, 610-632-0975. The most aggravating 10-3 team, the, the, the best team you've ever seen record-wise that was so aggravating to you. I thought somebody was going to go Sixers direction. We'll get to that coming up. John Kincaid Show here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. 97.5 The Fanatic. Jackie K show on 97.5 The Fanatic. We've got people in the studio here. You can hear from them. Here, can you clap or something? Do people know you're alive? I did get wow, one. Uh, barely alive. I did get one text. Barely. 
from Cousin Ryan that he asked my brother to take his big head out from in front of the uh, YouTube broadcast. So Haley, is, uh, have you ad- you've addressed this? You've addressed this? You've either moved Doc or gotten that head. out of there? I don't think he shrunk his head. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds had a smaller head than my brother. I um, wow. In his prime. He's got a big. He's got a big melon. Yeah, no, it's a big right. melon. I can't even defend it. It's huge. Hey, that's the kind of guy that, like, you know, unfortunately, when when you were younger and you get into those uh, fights and stuff, yeah. I would look at your brother and be like, "Yeah, no, I ain't, hit, I ain't hitting that. Like, that'll break your hand. Break my hand on my yeah, skull. Exactly. Yeah, we uh, we must have been tough fun in a helmet. <laughs> we're gonna have uh, loud. By Angelo Cataldi, uh, the uh, Angelo joins us at eight o'clock today in studio. Uh, this was a one-time special exemption uh, for his radio career to come in here and do this, and I appreciate it very much. He'll join us at eight o'clock. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Michael from Philly's been holding on. Michael, I appreciate you so much. Uh, we, as we talk about the difference between last year and this year with the Eagles, and more importantly, uh, how we're looking at it. Welcome into the show. Thank you for holding. Thank you guys for having me on. Good morning to you all. Thanks, Mike. Um, just want to go through a few things to kind of get our spirits back in order. Um, what I first wanted to say is, um, you know, we are, the, the Eagles are doing something that I don't ever recall ever happening before. Being able to see us go almost 30 weeks with the best record in the entire NFL is something that's probably unprecedented. I think we definitely need to understand what that takes and what that takes out of a team physically. On top of the fact that I think the biggest difference between last year and this year is that it's our offensive coordinator. Now, last year, I, one of the things that I, I was getting familiar with and I've seen a lot of last year that we're not seeing much of this year is the RPO. Um, I looked at Shane Steichen as the best play caller in the league, and I think he looked at Jalen Hurts and looked and said, I don't think Jalen is actually the kind of quarterback you drop back 30, 35 times a game and let him play his game that way. I think his, his ability to use his legs – and also use the RPO. It keeps defense on their heels, kind of keep them going both ways and not knowing exactly which way to go. Yeah, the problem with and, that, Mike, though, and I appreciate you checking in, uh, is that I think that they also said last year in Chicago that December, whatever it was, sort of right around this time last year, Jalen Hurts goes down after a bad hit where a guy throws his entire weight on him. And he ends up with an injury that ends up being a problem for them that potentially could have derailed a Super Bowl-type season. And I wonder if the new offense coordinator was told, you're going to be doing these jobs with some handcuffs on because we don't want Jalen Hurts taking as many hits as he took last year. Then well, why was he doing design runs? Yeah, well, the, the design runs just came back, though. They, the design they, runs no, they were not, did. They did, but like... Yeah, but it was Dallas game. I think he was saving it. I think they were like uh, saving the exciting. They saved design it and then he fumbled, and then they put it in their back pocket and wait till next. I like. Well, you can't forget about the bone bone bruise on the knee. I mean that. Oh my you know, That might have had to scale you back a little bit. Look, if if you have a, uh, you know, if you're on my basketball team and you can't jump, I'm not putting you in to be the leading rebounder. You know, like if he's a quarterback that has a bum knee, I'm not having you run out there to get it hit all the time. Well, then, then put it on the injury report. I'm tired of hearing about this bum knee being the reason that they're not like that. That Jalen isn't so having that'll a year make yet. you better if they put it in print. No, but I mean, it's, I say, I'm tired he's of got hearing. a bone bruise on his knee. Well, the obvious thing is I don't want to put him in a position to get hit more often. Well, I mean, it's it's the I idea. Need that written down. But it's the idea though that that was from the beginning of the year that that was the philosophy. That it was clear they didn't they weren't doing the RPO as much. They weren't doing the design runs as much. And, and I wonder if it was something that was mandated from above. 
that maybe like in the play calling, when you're designing your play call and you're designing your game plan, we don't want Jalen taking those hits that he took. Yeah, it would go exactly against what Nick Sirianni said in the first press conference of the year when he was asked about Jalen Hurts and his contract and dialing it back. And he said, why would I do that? Why would I dial back a guy who's making all this money? And the reason he's making the money is because of the way he plays. But football. they did before the bone bruise. They dialed I, I him mean, back before bruise, the bone bruise. What game did it happen? Second game of the year? I think it was longer than that. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Yeah. They check, see, we, see, we find that. Mike from Lehigh Valley joins us. Mike, good morning. You're on the Fanatic. Good, good morning. I just wanted to call in to talk about the offense and Sirianni a little. Okay. I think, I think Brian Johnson is being given a little too much hate. During the Cowboys game, they showed a statistic about us being last in motion this year. Yes. And we were, tw- we were 27th last year. Different offensive coordinator. Steichen is now top three with the Colts. Yeah, but you were running RPOs last year. So you but, weren't going to have a bunch of pre-snap motion necessarily if you're running but, RPOs. But now look at the Colts. They're top three with Steichen. So it's yes. obviously more Sirianni than Brian Johnson going to be zero in motion, and that will affect this offense greatly. Wait a minute. Steichen's doing this, by the way, with Gardner Minshew. He has the Colts in playoff contention. Thank you, Michael. I, I, no, I thought Mike brought up a really good point, um, and it probably is Sirianni. I mean, Sirianni's the guy that's been asked about it and says we don't motion for the sake of motioning. So but last it, it year, might be a philosophy. Yeah, fight. could I mean, very well be. You know, like I don't know how much, how many, how much of Sirianni's fingerprints are on this offense. Like, how much did he dial it back in terms of handing the play calling over when Brian Johnson comes in? Did he take the play calling back? Yeah. We will never know. We'll never know how much of an imprint he actually has on this offense. But what we do know is he got hired as an offensive coordinator. You know, he came from Indy as the OC. He probably has a philosophy he wants to stick with. It might be in a philosophy of we don't really motion a lot. Yeah, I I brought this up before about where he played in college, Mount Union, and he talks about it all the time, one of the most successful programs in all of college football, never mind that it's Division Three. I wonder if their philosophy was, and he talks about his coach a lot, we beat you with what we do. We don't have to be tricky. We don't have to. We just beat you with what we do. I wonder if that's something that, that he took from his college coach and therefore the trickery, which we haven't seen any of hardly this year, uh, if that's not something that's really in his wheelhouse. I it, don't know. It might be ingrained in him, but at some point you got to say, what I'm doing isn't working. It's yeah, not working. Point. So my philosophy may be this. But it's not working as well, so let's try this. I've seen no adjustments from this coaching staff. I'll tell you a reason. He might be stubborn, 24-6 and six over the last two years. Yeah, they smelled himself. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, if you're really successful at something, are you looking yeah. to change it when you hit a couple bumps in the road? I, I probably would be pretty cocky, too, if I was if I had that record. Yeah, so there, there's just so many different things. You're never as good as you think, and you're never as bad as you think. Uh, right now, you're, you're hopefully... You're thinking you're not as bad as you think, and hopefully I would they're agree, not right. as bad as they looked through the last two games, which has been absolutely horrible. But uh, it, changes Bobby. have to happen. They they good. just do schematically uh, from within. If I'm a player sitting there, I, I don't care about scheme. I'm just looking at myself. We heard the frustration from Josh Sweat just saying, we're grinding, grinding, grinding. I'm sick of getting close but not getting there. Well, we're sick of it too, Josh. <laughs> just so you know, we're very sick of it too. So if you could find a way to be able to like get after quarterbacks and everything, and said, and and two, there is a what this team was built on. Uh, you know, we can we can complain all we want about how we're being exploited over the middle. That was a that was a design choice that that Howie Roseman made. 
as far as building this roster. He said, we don't care about linebackers, which seems dumb. And we don't, and, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson was gone, who I believe was a huge part. I think C.J. Gardner-Johnson was a huge part of making Slay and Bradbury so successful last year. And he was a ball hawk. I don't, I, I, I'm I mean, not, it might be chicken and egg. You like, think so? Yeah, I mean, as Bob brought up, I mean, you've got Darius Slay and James Bradbury were all pros last year. They're they're holding guys up, and you know the defense is playing great. They're getting to the quarterback. It's forcing the quarterback to to try to get the ball out quicker and make stupid decisions with the ball. And C.J. Gardner Johnson, a few of those picks were just right place, right time. I mean, he's just there and just you know catching pop flies. So, um, and 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 I wanted C.J. Gardner Johnson back. He signed a one year deal with the Lions. I'd bring him back again. What was it? Eight million. Yeah, it was something like that. It was, you know, but I, but uh, eventually, like, you got to make sacrifices somewhere. And how he decided to make a sacrifice in the middle of the field, which he routinely does. He also went Golden Girls on us. He also went old, double down on old. He does. See, old. you look at it like he doubled down on old. I look at it like he doubled down on good because the alternative was what? I mean, you go out and you, you can sign a free agent cornerback, but okay. Um, or you it, can play it, young it, corners well, like the, the Chiefs but, but have who? developed young corners. But, but, but the Chiefs drafted those guys in the first and second round. The Eagles haven't. Right. So your windows, well, that's an organizational philosophy. But your windows, your windows open, so you want a veteran in there. You have two veteran all-pros that do want to come back that probably took a little bit of a pay cut to do it. And your alternative was you draft a cornerback ninth overall and you draft a cornerback 30th overall. Uh, so it's or you plan for it, or organizationally you plan for this more in advance. Now they've got corners in house. I just do. don't think they've developed. Yeah, but all those cornerbacks are undrafted free agents, prim- yeah. primarily. I mean, like Keely Ringo is a fourth right. round pick, but he's a rookie. You know, they and you're right. Like they haven't really planned for this. They haven't drafted secondary players too much uh, in the draft. Um, they've tried to develop guys like Eli Ricks and Josh Job, and all those guys were, you know, were undrafted free agents that are. You hope to make an impact, but they're just not ready now. And, uh, well, again, it's it it's a Howie Roseman philosophy about what he, what he values. And what they're finding is it's, it's some years it works, some years it doesn't. And this year, it's not working. When you're the fifth worst scoring defense in the NFL, that is atrocious. That is a, a, a horrible decisions that, 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 that were made. And, it, look, it, it's, it's going to – maybe it changes, or maybe they just double down on that philosophy moving forward, that they just uh, hope that it comes together. I don't know how you do. I mean, I don't either. I, I I just don't. And if you're going to have excuses as to why other teams can beat you up so much in the middle of the field, I I don't know what it is. I you have 11 players out there. If you're Sean Desai, you you have to 11 professional players. You have to be able to scheme something to take away the middle as much as teams are getting it. You know, getting it on you, uh, whether it's with guys that aren't as good as your all pros or what somebody's got to be there. I, you, you don't even see bodies there. No. How many times did you see Ferguson go down the middle? There weren't even bodies there. So I, I, I don't it, know scheme talent. I think it, it both comes together. It brings me back to that <laughs> before I've never seen a good Eagle, a, a, a great, a great, cause they have one of the great records in the NFL. I've never seen a great sports team in Philly that has annoyed me worse. Uh, and, and last year was one of the most joyous, things I've ever experienced as a sports fan. I turned off that TV after they lost that Super Bowl and was okay with it. I really was. I was like, it sucks. This really sucks. But I wasn't throwing stuff. I wasn't pissed. I wasn't like kicking the wall because they said they're going to be back and the window's open. And Pat and I talked about it. Like they got four or five bites at this apple. 
I'm not sure that the Apple's not going to have many bite marks in it right now with what I'm seeing. I, I think we have to be careful with the word great. We thought the 10-1 and record was great. I don't think the way we talked on the air and talked right. about everything, sure. I don't think we were saying the team was great. And I think that was the most negative of all of us as far as that record. And it's just it's not, it's not what it is. But when your record is, when you're the number one team in the NFL for uh, t- 31 weeks in a row, that's great. That's great. Whether it, it might be, but it may be that this is the, it was the flaws were being oversight by just thing. I, what I won't buy is lucky though. They're not lucky. Like that one guy who's not even a fan of the Eagles who calls in is like, they're just lucky. And Jalen Hurts sucks. And I think, no, no, I'm not buying that. I don't buy that luck carries you that far. It doesn't carry, but there has been a, a, a good sprinkling of luck. Uh, cast upon the Eagles when they get some of these wins. Sure. Like Valde- any NFL wide receiver catches that ball that Valdez Scantling doesn't catch, that's a loss. Yeah, it was still yeah, easy. But like Dak da- Prescott stepping out of bounds. I know. I hear you. I, I, I'm like not Valde- saying it rules Valde- Valdez Scantling sucks. Like, that's the problem. Like, and the ball, was still, the ball was still half like, it from his That's hand. the thing. Like, if, oh, if, Ty- right if Tyree Kill ends up dropping that ball, I- luck all day, right? Like, sure hand away. Valdez Scanling is horrible, and we're sitting here acting like this is you know Chris Carter. Like it's, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you. But like a lot of people, wide receiver catches that ball. A lot of people act, like he's in the NFL because he has speed. He's not in the NFL for his hands because he doesn't have any. Yeah, he's he got, got bricks. Too. It, it, he was, he was wide thing. open. Like how is that happening? How is Sean Desai allowing a guy when you late in the game and you have a lead, you're letting their fast guy get behind? Was it Byard at the time? Because that's what's happening. Uh, like um, a guy that you I don't just think so. Because Byard would have been on. No, it wasn't Byard. Byard would have been know. on Kelsey. But the, yeah, but there was no. Yeah, I don't know. I, I and don't, who, I don't who know was in? Was. It was whoever was in for. Uh, whoever was in. It wasn't Roby. Yeah, I'm not sure. If I don't it was know. Roby who it was, Which, by but, the way, did, did anyone notice late in the game? And it was the Cowboys game. It was a key third down, and they've got Eli Ricks on Ceedee Lamb. Yeah. In the slot. Yeah. What, what, what is that? Well, that's where. Like that's, that, that, that's your, no wonder you can't get off the field in third down. You're throwing a rookie undrafted cornerback on C.D. Lamb. That's where Dak. That's where Dak needs the lobster bib from. Uh, you know, uh, Red Lobster. Just put. They should just put that around his jersey because he sees that and goes, "Oh, I wonder where I'm going to throw the football." Cheddar bib biscuits. And I'm gonna. Yeah, they are good. By the way, delicious. They are really, really good. It's just. Yeah. It's. It's. Look, and, and it does seem. And and for those of you that are like, look, you're you're, you're complaining about a ten and three team. I don't want to hear about the record after the two last losses because those are the teams you got to get through. If you think you're a Super Bowl contender, those are the teams you have to get through. You got to get through Dallas, San Francisco, unless. You're the two seed. And that's one of the things I brought up yesterday. If you're the two seed, you maybe don't because of the fact that you could potentially play. Like right now, if you sat there, if the Eagles somehow, San Francisco stays in the, in the one seed. Right now, the Eagles would open up the uh, playoffs. If they win out, they would take on the Green Bay Packers at home, a 6-7 and seven Green Bay Packer team. And if the Lions won their game against the Vikings, they'd take on the Lions the next week. I got to tell you, and then Dallas and the 49ers would play each other if Dallas wins. I got to tell you right now, that looks like an easier path to me, even with an extra game. It looks like an easier path to the NFC title game than saying Dallas is coming in and you got to beat San Francisco, Dallas, San Francisco. Yeah, but in the end, you still have to either go to Dallas or San Francisco to get well, to the Super Bowl. No, you wouldn't if you're the two seed. 
You, you don't. You, you, you don't have to go through Dallas. You, Dallas. If Dallas Fran, upsets yeah. San Fran, they're coming here. Dallas is coming here. You have a point. So there you go. You have. That, a point. So I'm, I'm just That's saying. That's why you're in the big chair. It might. Is it a big chair? Yeah, it's I don't a, think it's. It, it's a beefy chair. I don't think it's. That's as, a big is, boy I don't chair. think it's as big. It goes up. It goes. Is down. there? So uh, my chair doesn't do that. It does not. Because you're in the little. Chair. Well, you're sitting in, in the, the little. You're chair. sitting in the red chair. Well, which for is me, the, it's big for you guys. Man. It's a little chair. Which is the hot seat, you know. Which is it, which is where Angelo Cataldi will be sitting at uh, eight o'clock as he joins. Wait, us. I got to move. Here. No, Angelo's going to sit in this one. Oh, okay. He's oh, going to sit in. We're going to put him. I'm in the so clean short, one. I can't even see that there's another chair over there. We're putting him in the clean one. What are you saying about my? Chair? I don't know. Is that the, the, this clean, is, right? it, it, I don't know if it looks as clean. Okay, that fine. red one. So we put that one over there. So you oh, sit in that cool. one, and we'll and we'll take yeah. care of this one there. So, uh, Flyers go for five in a row tonight. By the way, and raise your hand if you thought the Flyers would ever be five games over five hundred this year. Oh, I think everybody. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I bet you Keith Jones would have struggled to believe that the team would be five games over five hundred. And I said earlier this year, could you be? Could you be a story? In March, could you somehow be a story in March where you're you're in the fight for a wild card spot or something like that? It's a long way to go, but it's been impressive. And that you'll hear the Flyers tonight right here on 97.5 The Fanatic. Yeah, I, I can't wait till we can get Tortorella back on here. Uh, I was really anxious to talk to him last week when, when we had some phone problems. He said he couldn't get in uh, because I thought that his line and, and his my Look, people look at it and say, oh, that's funny that he said it. But he said this team has balls and it was bigger than just a, a throwaway. Ha ha. That's a funny line. That's what John Tortorella came in here to get. And for him to come out and say he's got it and this team has it, I think it was like, wow, mission accomplished accomplished way earlier than I thought it was going to be. Now, that's just right, 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 exactly right. It's just one aspect of it. But I, I can't wait to ask him, all right, how big my, my question was going to be when you're building a team, how big are balls in the anatomy of it? The night, the night because I and I, like it sounds like a funny it you is, know, ask question, but it was I'm being serious. Yeah. It is uh one of the Bob I remember when we had John make you when, think and I make you laugh. When we had John on before opening night, John said you asked the best question that he'd been asked all year. That's what I did. It was early in the season. I understand, but still though, he's got a bunch he of media members hounding him, you know, all the time and trying to get answers. He he said you were the best question of the year. I think that sounds like a really good one for John Tortorella too as the uh, Flyers. You'll hear it on 975 the Fanatic. We'll, we'll we will spin the prize wheel coming up at eight o'clock. So if you've registered at 975thefanatic.com, and if you haven't registered, why not? Because all you gotta do is you gotta listen at eight and noon and four, and one of you uh, might hear your name called. And if you're a participant today, you would have a chance chance to win two prizes. The $150 Amazon gift card and pass it to see Silent Night carries over from the best show ever. So we want to get two in the books for us today. That'll be two prizes for you. Name will be called coming up today at 8. Angelo Cataldi joins us coming up. Looking forward to it. John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Your chance to win on the prize wheel comes up in just a few minutes. We're back with our live studio audience. And Angelo Cataldi is in the building. We're having him security screened right now, listening devices, anything like that that he may have thing. And we've got. He, see, he seemed to enjoy the pat down. Yeah, I, think, I don't know what that was all about. I think he has to go through twice. 
Which was really he strange. Asked to go through twice. <laughs> he did. It was just really strange. With Gail here, right, too, his lovely wife. I mean, that's sort of something you don't want to do. Hey, uh, coffee and breakfast today provided by Homegrown Coffee and Creations, South Philly's favorite coffee and breakfast spot, where your every trip to the stadium should begin, 1515 West Porter Street. We appreciate the Homegrown Coffee and Creations for being a part of the uh, live broadcast today. We usually do these on Fridays. Tuesday's a little different, so we know which guys don't really care about getting to work on time. I think we've, we've, we've narrowed that down. We have a few retired people. We have a member, member of the clergy. We have like, got everything in here. I think is is uh, we asked him just to, to bless the studio before Angelo came in. So uh, Father Casey taking great care of that this morning. I don't know who's saying mass this morning at his parish, but, you know, I guess he can just make the rules. He delegates. I think he delegates. Yeah. He delegates really well. Yeah. He delegates better than Nick Sirianni has this year. I would say so far. That segue. I, I would yeah. say so far. Is it because it really is what this this discussion and Pat? It's weird. Is that he is everything digresses into three separate arguments. Uh, one of our uh, listeners, Todd, says every single one of these things digresses into three different arguments. The idea that this Eagles team right now, the coordinators are just not. They're not cutting it. But how much responsibility is Nick Sirianni's? I got to tell you, as crappy as the offenses looked in the first half, I think Nick Sirianni's fingerprints are on the crime scene again. He took himself out of the job because he said, I wasn't good at it. If he you literally articulated that. If you run a hedge fund and all of a sudden you're not making money, just because you're not the one finding the stocks doesn't mean it's not your fault. Like, you put people in the position, you hired these people, they're not getting the job done. So, yeah, Sirianni's fingerprints are all over it. And I do believe that the coordinators, though, as Bob, as we talked about before, I do not believe that Nick Sirianni went in there and goes, I want this guy and I want this guy. Howie, Jeff, that's what I'm doing. You have no say in it. Because we've seen differently. Doug Peterson lost his job fighting over uh, Press Taylor. Yeah. I mean, he lost a job over Press Taylor. I hope his fingerprints are all over it. That, that, I do, that, too. The, the, the two words that make his fingerprints all over it are head coach. Yes. You know, I, there, there shouldn't be much going on underneath of his nose that he doesn't know about. I mean, if, if he doesn't have his fingerprint on everything, we talk about, like, what does he do during the day? Or we don't talk about it. Uh, Not nearly enough. Let's put but it like, that What way. does he do on game day? Well, I'm okay with that. If you're coaching your ass off from, you know, Monday through Saturday and have everything in line, standing there and overseeing it like we see a Mike Tomlin do, like we see many coaches do, maybe even a Bill Belichick to some extent, I'm okay with that. But you better be a great coach between Monday and Saturday to make sure that you can stand there and just delegate or, or you know, fix problems during that three-hour time period of a football game. I love your fortune cookies, Pat, because uh, is that you, you brought up that term and it's just – it's perfect for hearing Jalen Hurts talk. I mean, Jalen Hurts goes into, I don't know, do you go to, does he go to P.F. Chang's? What was it this week? Like, you get more out of a loss. Out of a loss, and it's all a learning experience. Yeah, it's just like, dude, stop. I mean, but that's one of the reasons I don't listen to the postgame pressers after losses like that, because nothing they say is going to make me feel better. Everything they say is going to infuriate me. I mean, it could, they they could tell me like "Merry Christmas" and I'm going to be like "F you," <laughs> because when you when you, you can't do when, that. You, when you Christmas. when you crap the bed like they did, I don't want to hear from anybody. Um, but but especially the fortune cookie wisdom that he uses, it's well, he's he's of the Nick Saban school, and he was programmed very much like anybody who was ever in a cult. He when you go through Nick Saban's program. You absolutely are told, here's how you address the media. Here, don't give away anything. Don't say anything. Always take responsibility. Uh, but but speak in, in general terms. This is how he teaches people, and Jalen has mastered it. I mean, he, he says nothing. It takes him a hundred well, it would take him a hundred words to say happy birthday to the secretary. And it's like, and it would still wouldn't make sense. I have no idea what goes on. 
Yeah, I, it's weird now that I'm not in the uh, quote air quote media anymore. I really don't care what he has to say because he doesn't say anything. So who am I listening to? Like the Jason Kelsey's of the world and the, and the other guys that are just speaking openly and honestly without a narrative of of uh, standards and all those things. And nothing against Jalen Hurts. That's fine. No. If that's how he wants to be behind a microphone. That's fine with me. All I care about really is the 60 minutes on the field. Yep. Um, what's going on with this team exactly in the locker room behind closed doors? Well, that's when you take your microphone over to the, the Jason Kelsey's and the Brandon Graham's and, you know, other people on the team to find out exactly what's happening. And that's the, uh, the issue, too, is that, look, this is supposed to be a team uh, loaded with veteran leadership. Where is it? Where is it? You got, you, got, you got Hall of Famers in that locker room. Where's the leadership? Because they came out and played against Dallas so poorly. But one thing I will do, watching the 15-minute game again yesterday, everybody go to YouTube and watch it. It's, all, it's awesome. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stop you right there. No, I'm not gonna no. Do that. But, Pat, you, I promise you this. You will, watch this. you will watch the San Francisco game. It's 11 minutes and, like, 40 seconds. And then watch the Dallas game. It's, like, 11 minutes, 30 seconds. And you will walk away saying... The Dallas loss was completely different than the San Francisco loss. Well, I, I don't need to watch the, the game again to know that. I you mean, could have been you could have been in self, that game so much. That's what I'm saying. It was I, I said that yesterday. It was self inflicted wounds. It was you're driving, you fumble, uh, right. you're driving, you fumble again, you're driving, you fumble again. Like the, it, it it should have been a lot closer. To, I don't know if they win the game ultimately. Right, exactly. But it should have been closer. They shot themselves in the foot the entire game. We uh, will have Angelo Catali joining us here in oh, just a good? moment. So we have to first. Spin the holiday wheel here at the Fanatic, where somebody is going to get the chance to win two prizes today. Yeah. Now, Pat, remind me, as the chemo fog is still very much in my brain, as I bet on a three and a half point favorite today, which I never do. So tell me, what am I? I'm not. I'm. You're give, just going to say the name. Just going to say the name. And then when they give Got ten it. minutes, if yeah, they but call I don't want to do this in the middle of Angelo's call. No, no, we, no, 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 no. Now, this fact, is how the holiday wheel gets no, done. Here's what it's going to do. Alan Iavecchia. Alan Iavecchia. You are our, our name today of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Alan Iavecchia, 215-263-0975. 215-263-0975. And you will win not one but two fabulous prizes if you call in. The $150 Amazon gift card and pass it to see Silent Night is on the board. I Haley, agree with you. I'm making a variance here. I'm not stopping in the middle of Angela's interview to take a call. Spin Could you please wheel. spin the wheel, Haley? Haley will now spin the wheel, and she's not going to spin it like she's on steroids. She's just going to spin it, and we will see what happens. Haley uh, almost knocked the wheel off. Yeah, it's, it's one you're not that, taking yeah. Vanna White's ten million dollar like year job. We got job. that wheel at a uh, at a at a garage sale. Uh, all right, uh, what what where are we where are we ending on the holiday wheel for this double price? Show tickets. We 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 have what? Comedy show tickets. Comedy show tickets. Let me give you that one. I gotta find the uh, I gotta find the comedy show ticket read. I like to laugh. You like to do you, Pat? Your book's yeah. upside down, John. You haven't been reading much. Yes, I've I've seen that go. that it's upside down. I don't see the uh He's so nervous. Look I don't see the comedy show tickets in here. Well, there's course. tickets. It's comedy. There's You'll tickets laugh. to a tom- comedy yeah. show. Plus which you have is a great. Fifty dollar gift certificate to yes. Amazon. So and Pat, you never laugh at that. What's so this guy's name? Something Ionekia or something? It's Alan Iavecchia. Hey, Alan. By the time Alan you call, let you know what you want. Two one five two six three zero nine seven five. He could be a double winner coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, as we begin the 8 o'clock hour, I am thrilled to welcome to our stage here a man who has uh, just written it. I don't know if this is a memoir, if this is a, uh, a, a, a historical piece. Angelo Cataldi. 
who did some sports radio in this town. He had a nice little sh- uh, short career. I remember hearing about him, but it's it, it's great to have him joining us here in studio here at the Fanatic. You had to, you had to pull some strings too to make this happen, right, Ange? Uh, look, uh, here's the bottom line on it. John Kincaid was a major contributor to our show and to the success of our show for most of the time until he went over to the dark side. <laughs> By the way, Atlanta. I, this is my first time in the dark side. Nice there to you go. <laughs> it's pretty light in here. Well, I'm looking around at all these people that clearly had no loyalty to me. <laughs> Thanks for nothing. But but anyway, the, uh, the fact of the matter is, John, that... Uh, God, from, from the time that you were a caller. Yes. Right? John from Exton. John from Exton. To, and, and you had these very hot takes on what was going on with the Flyers. And I've would, been known. It would drive Al Morgani insane, right? Yes. <laughs> and then I used to say to Al during the breaks, you know, that guy could be a talk show. And Al said, no, he's obnoxious. I can't stand him. And, and he I would. Said, yeah, he Al, would. Was, Al was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Al, what does that make us? <laughs> yes, exactly. Right? I would laugh because of the fact is when I decided to leave the business world huh. to do this, you were one of the major people. You, Tony, Al, were people that I talked to about leaving to try to do this for a living. And uh, I thank you for that. But I did ask you at the time, was there a room you would rent me or something if it failed? Yeah. And that ne- that call never was answered. Because like, never- I... I- Please, I didn't want to be around you that much. <laughs> would, <laughs> enough work. is enough. It is, it is awesome to have you here. And the book is loud. And I can only tell you this would be a great stocking stuffer or a gift for any guy on your list who has been in Philly Sports Radio. Because I think people have heard you over the years. Well, I that, was... John, i got to ask you a question. Yes, sir. I have had a, a moral dilemma with this book. You've had a and moral dilemma. You, you didn't have one in 30 hope. years. You're my last hope. Yes. So, you know, if, uh, if we go to our website, AngeloCatali.com, I will personalize it and I will write what you want. Well, needless to say, some people, you know, they hate the Cowboys more this week than ever. They you say asked, F? Yeah, F Dallas. Yes. Then just say F Dallas. Yeah, F Dallas. Don't no, say- no, no. I put the word out. Oh, wait a minute. The check cleared. Well, no, but it's, <laughs> no, but it's perfect. We have a priest in our audience oh, no. who will confirm. Father Casey's here. Father Casey. He, he, Father Casey will confirm, as I've heard him on the bench of uh, over the years in hockey, He F is not a curse. It's not a curse? GD and JC. So oh, you don't have to I worry about that. Well, the FCC disagrees. Well, you don't use okay. those. Yeah, Pat, I mean, he's not asking him. He's asking him to write it in a book. Would so, you put the full word in the inscription, John Kincaid? I think I would. I think yeah. I would. What, I almost died three times. I said, why not? <laughs> Who the hell? What am I worried about? What am I worried about? I'm writing an F.U. You know, and I'll be, I'll be glad to do that. I'm surprised, though, is that the uh, – how? I'm guessing that this took you two weeks. <laughs> you can't write a really? whole book. It's 92,000 words. I know. I read them. No, And I listen. read them. But I was thinking that you, no. you tend to be somebody, though, who pours yourself into something completely. Well, I did. And the last week after the Eagles choked and lost another Super Bowl, I couldn't have that big finish, <laughs> right? I was, like, saying, all right, how am I going to do this? I got to do it fast. And when I found a, a, a publisher, they said, I... I my only request was, I, I even got a bad deal. I'm not making any money on this book, but I got it out the same year I retired. 
And the reason I did that is I was positive that people would not remember me past then. Little now I have realized they already yeah, they don't. don't. I mean, seriously, they already don't. They already have moved on from you. No, they have. So I, uh, so they agreed to do it. So they gave me uh, six and a half weeks. And, six and a half weeks. And I wrote the book at six and a half weeks. Now Cooney is a journalist. Yeah. So is, is six and a half weeks enough for Angelo to summarize a thirty-plus year career? That's pretty quick. That's fast, right, Bob? It, it's, it's it's pretty quick. Yeah, I, like I'm doing a book now on a friend of mine. It's going to take. I already told people it's going to take me years. Yeah, like that. It's just is like you doing that. Did you take notes during your career of things, Angela? I have the notes for head? each show. Right? They went to his HR profile <laughs> and found a lot of the stories. Because <laughs> those were unsealed. Well, I think Odyssey unsealed them. So they, they, you were able to exactly. find some of the best stories. I uh, it, it it came together pretty quickly, and uh, you know I haven't been happy with probably anything I ever wrote. I, I hated first of all I hated working at the Enquirer because they butchered your copy, right? You know that, Bob. And uh, the bottom line of it is that um, this was uh, this came out the way I wanted it to, and they didn't hack it up in the in the edit. The fact checking was somewhat. Uh, um, Humbling, because I have been saying things for years on the air that were completely untrue. <laughs> it builds quite a career. Oh, no, it's, it builds quite a career. And I go, where did you get this? And I went, where did I get it? I've been saying it for 15 years. They said, well, it's not even close to accurate. Well, <laughs> so I, they, as they long fixed as you say that. it with conviction. They, conviction they, well, I did it. Somehow <laughs> no one corrected me. I ask you about this, is yeah. that looking back and reading the stories were fantastic. And it was awesome to hear all the different things about your career. But I ask you this, over the time from when you started to when you ended, and you addressed this in the book a bit, do you think the Philly fan base has really changed? Because I know in the years that I was away to when I came home, this fan base is so much softer than it was. Yeah. And, you know, that's the lament of an older person. Nothing to get you. You're sure. still young. You're in your 50. But to me, that's a kid. But, yeah, it is. And, you know, I wasn't positive until I did leave. And the people back at my station decided to organize a standing ovation for a guy making three hundred million who was hitting two thirty. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. it's a different world. And, I, and and I went. So I said to them, I said, if I was still there, I would have done everything I could to sabotage it because it was stupid. Of course, then it worked. <laughs> and then he started hitting. And then I went, well, it, well, they needed another one. There was a shelf have, life on it. They could have used it in the NLCS. All I could think of is John Kincaid, if he had called our show 25 years ago and said, you know what? I know this guy hasn't scored a goal in 15 games. Let's give him an ovation. That is not Never the happened. way we did it. It's not so. You're right. It got softer, a lot softer. Did you contribute to that? <laughs> that is rude. I'm trying to. I'm trying to treat my guests with respect. No, but I mean, you did not. No. You tried to stem the tide of this new feel good. We got to make people feel happy. Got to make them feel right. cozy here. Let's remind you. I was behind the booing of Donovan McNabb at the draft. Thank you. Appreciate your support on that. Well, you wanted Ricky Williams. Right. It was supposed to be a positive I didn't event. Want the mayor did. It's all yes. his fault. <laughs> right. Well, he went on and, to be governor, And too. all the other things we did. I was there the night they threw the batteries at J.D. Drew. I mean, I did all. I was part of all that. No, I fought the tide the last 10 years because it was getting harder because the next generation was, I don't know, softer. They, they, they were nicer. Feelings. They were nicer. And and the whole point of this book is, yeah, I'm saying to this book, I will, I'll tell you a hundred stories about the crazy stuff these people did. 
But I'll also tell you how they stepped up every time you needed them to help somebody out. Or if it was a charity, they were there every step of the way. And then my kicker was, and you know Kenny from Dirty Third. Uh, yes, I do. Ken, uh, Kenny Justice, he called our show a couple of years ago and acknowledged that he was going for kidney dialysis because his kidneys were failing. And 28 people that day went into the portal for organ donation, and they knew him no more than just a voice on the, on the radio. And that's, uh, that part of the story, the narrative about the Philadelphia sports fan, never gets told, John. This is a, I, I'm surprised at how much of a love letter this is to your listeners yeah. and to the fans of this town. I was a little surprised by that because it's very touchy-feely for you. Yeah, you're, it is, you're, but you're, I, you're, 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 I... Like the Grinch yeah. would look at you as a role model. I mean, it's See, like, this is, this is interesting. You went to Atlanta. Over the years from the time you were in Atlanta to when you came here, um, I bonded more. Yeah, I did. You did? I felt more of an appreciation for what they had given me because I was... Uh, Bob, you can relate to this. I had zero uh, experience in radio. They just handed me a day part. And they said, here, go do something. And I worked with Tom Brookshire for a couple of years, and I learned a little bit from Brookie him. Rookie and the rookie. And Tony Bruto taught me a lot more, and those guys did. But I never knew. I, to this day, I don't understand most of the technology, uh, the terminology used uh, for radio. I, I never you, learned it. I want you to kind of – I'm still learning. I want you to kind of <laughs> generalize this, I Angelo. Be sure. Yeah. yeah. Generalize this. A topic through the years – that you rolled your eyes, that you said, God, I got to keep still talking about this, and in general. Yeah. And then one that you could, you could just keep talking about forever. What, did uh, you have the, the those one two? that The one that uh, really got tired was Pete Rose. That just went on forever. And I evolved. I was a Pete Rose guy because Pete Rose, when I first came to Philadelphia, uh, without arranging an interview, sat down with me for almost an hour and talked about what it was like to hit a baseball. He had, we were doing a supplement for the 3,000th hit. And uh, he, I was brand new here. My knees were shaking. <laughs> and uh, he was so nice to me. So I wanted to give him every benefit of the doubt. And he found a way to maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago, to make me go, no. Yeah, I'm out. It's not about gambling. It's about the way he acted. It's how when he came back for that that big uh, commemoration of one of the great Phillies teams, and and he talked down to the female a reporter and all that stuff. He said, "I can't do it." But that's one I got sick of, and that happened for a long time, and one that never got tired. Um, whoever the latest Eagles coach was, I just heard <laughs> I just heard Kincaid taking a shot or two at Sirianni, and I went. I'm home now. Yeah, That's home. <laughs> That's it's always familiar. the best it's thing. It's familiar, yes. It's the best thing, John. The, the, no one will ever tire of scrutinizing and often ripping the head coach of the Eagles. What's the one moment you think defines your career? The one well, that's the problem. The one moment is probably the booing. It's all negative stuff, right? The booing of <laughs> McNabb. And you had nothing to do with any of that. No, I had exactly. some stuff to do with it. You were the freaking mastermind behind it. How was it? I supposed to know at an hour and 15-minute ride from here to New York that all those people would get drunk? Did I know this? Did you frisk them? I, I was surprised, all right? Yeah, sure you were. But the other one is wing ball. Well, Which, that was fantastic. Well, it was fantastic until the last five years. Well, that's because we've now come to a point where nobody can have any fun. Nobody can have any fun anymore. Everyone's wow. going to be offended by something. That's Everybody's great. going to be offended. 
by something. There Believe me, if I wish it, if I could vote, there was. Yes. Well, if there was a way to be offended, there was. <laughs> was you were going to see it that. Day. Yeah, it yeah. was, but it was an event right. that 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 was truly Philadelphia. Yeah, and and it's sad. I thought it would last. I thought it would be the next Mummers. Really? Right? Yeah. Okay. I really did. I, I we were getting twenty thousand sure. people right till the end. Right. We're, but then you know, like Ron Jeremy showed up, and uh, yeah, and, you know the. <laughs> Lower crust of American society, and it got tough. Yeah, when Snooki Snook, when Snooki shows up, it's uh, no, no, we time to call it a day. No, they loved Snooki being there. We pay. She got on the uh, mechanical bull. Really? Now that's entertaining. See, that's, <laughs> as long I'm as sorry, you're I missed it. Angelo Cataldi joining us. His book, Loud. Uh, you can find. You you can order it at Barnes and Noble. You can order it on Amazon. You can go to AngeloCataldi.com, right? And you have a website. That's incredible. My wife did all that. Okay, Gail. so Gail did it all. Gail did. Uh, she but, is totally involved with the uh, management of this thing, and she's amazing at it. I had no idea. That's no a fan- idea. That's a fantastic thing because you were not exactly. You had Hello. An, you had an AOL email address as of six years ago. All right. I left that out of the book. Why'd you have to say that? <laughs> I mean, I thought he was the last person with an AOL address. I always wondered if it was being sent somewhere else. It is a great, it's a great book, and it's a great read. I got to ask this, though. The fact that you were able to come to this town and become part of it and become ingratiated to it without pandering is what I think is maybe your greatest magic trick that you ever, ever performed in your career because this city is not kind to outsiders. And you managed to ingratiate yourself without pandering. Yeah, I spoke their language, John, from day one. That's the thing. Did you learn that in Rhode Island? I learned it at Columbia University. Okay. When I went there and I told my advisor that I wanted to go into sports. And it was like I had told him I was going to kill him. He, he was so devastated by that. <laughs> Columbia University, graduate school of journalism. That's uh, uh, managing editors. Sure. That's, that's the, the, the creme de la creme. Sports, you, why are you even here? And he made me promise him two things. One was um, I have to cover sports the way I would cover the White House. I have to ask the hardest questions and be nasty if necessary to get to the truth. Find out what the people want and ask it and don't take no for an answer. And the second one thing he said, under no circumstances revealed to anyone at Columbia, I, I plan to go into sports. <laughs> and I they looked into those. And I came here, John, and I, the minute I came here, I went, this is where I should have been born. Because I was critical of everybody. I was very outspoken, the same way you are. I try to be. You know? Well, you are, but you're a local. You were born here. Yes. Right? So you, you, you I had it, to it, learn. It was natural. It was natural. Yeah, I had to learn it. But I did learn it, and it, it resonated. And I felt comfortable from day one, although it took me a few years to figure out how to do radio. A few years? I mean, you were you were good at it. You were good at it early, but there there were many iterations along the way. I saw you evolve. I mean, I saw you where you just you became just take charge. Where at a time took a long time. Yes, the first year with Brookie, uh, like at the end of the first year, he said to me, um, "I'm really getting tired of carrying your sorry ass." <laughs> He said it. Tom Brookshire, 25 years at CBS, number 40 retired, is saying to me that I'm just riding his coattails. And it woke me up. I, I, that's when I started to get more assertive. But I didn't know radio. So when Tony Brudo came, I leaned on him a lot. Oh, Tony, no new radio. Oh, 
Absolutely. Totally do radio. And then he left in a dispute with my boss, Tom Bigby. He's the first man to put me on the air, so I do uh, God rest his soul. Tom Bigby I, put I, you on the air. So that's, first who, one. See, that's who we can blame? It was because of you and Tony and everything that I got the opportunity. So I well, thank that's you the thing. That. Now, isn't that interesting that he heard you and he went, yeah. But he always work. complained about me. Uh, yeah, we always He always complained about me. This is my proudest thing in the book. Proudest. 1995, I can't take my boss anymore, Bigby. Can't take him. And I go to my, my agent. I said, uh, see if you can get me something else. I've got to get out. I can't do it with this guy. He said, let me see if I could do something for you. And he comes back, and he shows me a contract proposal. And there's clause in the contract proposal saying that my boss, my program director, cannot speak to me if I don't want him to. I actually reprinted Oh, no, it, yes, it's in there. It's in, in the, the book. Because yes. people have thought it was like an urban myth, and it wasn't. And uh, I put it in the book. And uh, two years later, for two years, I didn't invoke it. I assumed he knew it was there. And then one day, uh, uh, it, Mike Tyson had uh, chewed off part of the year of Evander Holyfield. And I started the show. Can you imagine if you were there? Oh, my God. Oh, I'd get crushed. Oh, no. No, no I'd get crushed. Yeah? you got to start Eagles. Got to oh, start yeah, yeah. Get right. started, Vander Holyfield. All right. Well, I mean, the whole world was talking right. about it. Right. So I did the first segment on uh, Tyson at Holyfield. And there was the hotline, and I went to the hotline, and, and uh, Big View's there, and he went, get off this now. We don't talk boxing on my radio station. And I said, bleep you, and I hung up. <laughs> And and then after, so the you show, wouldn't write it, but you'd say it. Oh no, John! <laughs> I know, believe me. Anyway, <laughs> bottom line is, uh, after the show, uh, I went into his office and he began screaming. And I said, "Stop for a moment. I hereby invoke the clause in my contract. <laughs> talk to somebody else. You don't talk to me." And he didn't know what it was. And then he was informed that there was this clause, and he was stunned that CBS Radio, which owned us, had agreed to this clause. And to this day, I can't tell you why they did, except he kind of had a reputation for being tough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and for three or four years, we never spoke. And the show got much better. <laughs> Angelo, Pat asked you about the finding moment. And you, you, you did a throwaway line. You said, yeah, it's going to be something negative. On that, was it a concentrated effort on your part to bring up the negative to entice the fans? Or was that the subject matter of Philadelphia sports that was presented to you? It's proud. I'm proud to say it came naturally to me. <laughs> I see. Uh, you want to talk about the Eagles this year? Oh, geez. Yes. They're 10-3. and three. That defense is one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in my life. Do you know they're 30th in the league in, in pass defense? They're last in third down conversions? They're last? I'm supposed So when they were 10 and 1, Bob, I was bitching. Now, my dog was the only one who heard it because I'm not on the air anymore. <laughs> but I was complaining then. By nature, when I'm watching a sporting event, I'm waiting for something to aggravate me. And it usually doesn't take long. Pat, you have a little common DNA. <laughs> yeah, uh, I get very... Uh, oh, you're like that? Oh, Pat? yeah. Oh. oh, my God, yeah. All right, yeah. Pat, I want to give you some advice, because I've heard you before say you don't pay attention after losses yeah. to, the, to the press conferences. <laughs> Listen closely. You will hear people dodge and bob and weave and, and then use it. And, we don't and, talk boxing, though. <laughs> you see, we're not allowed 
Uh, in your, in, that was good. That was kind of that was good. good. It was yeah. fast. Thank you but very much. Surprising. Uh, in, in your career, you came from journalism to segueing into radio. What was the biggest misconception that you had coming into this job? <laughs> that it was journalism. I, I, uh, That's interesting. No, I came at, uh, and if, if you heard, we tried to destroy all the early tapes, but there's probably <laughs> one out there somewhere that uh, I would come on and I would pontificate with no sense of humor. I would just, oh, you cannot use that defense in that third down and set, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, after the very first show, now this is a positive story about my boss, Big B. He called me in and he went, well, how'd you think you did? I went, honestly? Maybe a home run, possibly a triple. And he goes, no, not even close. Don't do that again. You're no longer in journalism. You're in entertainment now. If you're going to say that stuff, find a way to say it. That's funny or provocative or something that, you know, raises the level, get people more emotional. And I did. It took a long time to start thinking that way. But that's you're no longer a journalist until you get to the interview. And now you got the coach on. That's when you go back to the training you had as an interviewer. That's where I think, Bob, you and I would have an advantage in that. We, we did, do, did all those interviews as journalists. I think it helps. When you wake up in the morning and you don't have a microphone, mm. well, first of all, how painful is it for Gail? And, and second of all, is, is for yourself, do you miss it? Do you miss the pulpit? Do you miss the stage? I don't think so, although the last three weeks I've hoarded myself so much for this book that I'm starting to wonder now. You have dollars in your G-string. No, I mean, you have been out and about. I have really done a lot with this book, but I did it because it was an homage to the fans that I wanted them. This is really my last goodbye. I'm not going to do podcasts. I'm not going to be in front of a microphone after this, uh, this And book. you don't miss it. I don't. Here's what happened. So I, I, the first few months, I would still wake up around three o'clock, and then I would go, "Oh, I can sleep." Right. And I, I, honestly, if you if thirty three years is not enough for you, <laughs> I don't think any number would be. It was enough, John. I it was. Did a, I did as much of it as I could for as long as I could, and I don't have any regrets. And your grandpa now. I'm I mean, now you can oh, focus on being grandpa very much. and treating your grandchildren much differently than you treat your own kids. I'm in the process of that now. I am really, that's a transition too, because they're not a priority and now they should be. Come on, you got this time, use it. So I got twin grandsons who play soccer. That's a family issue. Not going to lie to you. <laughs> soccer, not something I ever love, but they're good at it and they love it. And I got three little tiny ones right That's near me. Awesome. Uh, you know, one, three, and five, and they're terrific. So, yeah, that's, John, I guess it took me all these years to figure out that's the most important thing. I always placed my career first, and it was a mistake. But, you know, what, you do but what you do. You do what you're wired to do. I was wired to do that. And you and you talk about that vividly in the book that that you know it cost you the, the the show cost you building your career cost you but I'd say where you ended up then maybe it's exactly what you were supposed to do I guess I, I say this John I don't want to get schmaltzy here don't I, get too I went schmaltzy. through I went through depression a serious case at a couple of mine went, what you do what you have overcome is incredibly inspiring to me. I can't tell you enough how inspiring it is. Uh, I knew this was what when you first recurrence was in uh, Atlanta, ninety five right? and yeah. ninety seven. And you, you're a tough, tough guy. 
and and I love you for it, man. And uh, I know that the last few weeks have been a little nerve wracking, but the news I heard today made me feel better than anything else that's going to happen today. John. Thank you. You're you're an amazing guy. You really are, and uh, I can't thank you enough for what you did to for our show and uh, all that stuff. It was fantastic. I wouldn't have a career if you hadn't vouched for me. Bigby, Bigby put me on the air on Christmas Eve. Right. I vouch for him. But here's the thing. Here's what I did for John's (laughs) career. Oh, my God. John from Extant's calling. Let's get him up. He's a great caller. (laughs) That that was my, that was all. He did the rest. You understand? He went on. You created these characters. You became, I'll just say this straight out, because we had a lot of great contributors to 33 years. You were the most consistently provocative and entertaining we ever had on our show in all those years. Thank you. And whenever you indicated to me a desire to come on, did I ever say no? No, never did. I would blow off a coach for John Kincaid (laughs) because this guy could say. We don't want to save that soundbite. He would rankle people. He would upset people. And then he he would be so funny. When we got to the uh, homage to Johnny Carson yes. and the card axe. Yes, the John axe, which became the John part axe. of it. Now, you had an Angenac, you said? All right, now, here's the thing. All right, my wife has called it that. I have worked on this hard. Okay. I always thought it wasn't that hard to do. This took a month. Would you like to hear? It was a month, yes. I would like to hear your Angenac. All right, now, and you will... Hopefully, you're going to have one or two. You've never done it on your show, right? I have never done the the routine ever on this show. Wow. Now, just so you know, Johnny Carson used to come out in like a turban. I'm not even sure you could yes. do that. No, you can't even do that anymore. You could even do that now. No. And then he would have an envelope like this would here. Hold on. Oh, he's got the envelope on him. He got the envelope. All right. And then he would hold up the envelope to his turban. And then he would say something, and then he would rip open the army up, blow on it for some reason, pull it out, and give you the answer. So it was like the answer and then the question. Yes. All right? Answer do first question. I do. It's the Anjak. And it so took a month? Anjak, and this is mine. It took a month. It's just all I have is one. Okay, that's good. All right, let's try this, all right? All right I'm okay. going to put this down. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll hold it for you. Here. I'll hold right. it for you so you can hear it. All right, hold it to your head. <clears throat> King Kong, Gabe Kepler... And John Kincaid. Okay, so you're, this is going to be a rip on me. Now, now you got to hear the rip. There you go. The what is that one? All right. Gabe Kapler. Well, i got to remind. King Kong, Gabe Kapler, and John Kincaid. That's what Ed McMahon Yes, that's what he would do. King Kong, Gabe Kapler, John Kincaid. Name a chimp, a chump, and a champ. <laughs> you're very the champ. good. You did a good job. <laughs> that's that very good? good. That is good. Now... That I've, way I got a shot in on, on uh, Kaplan, too, who I can't stand. Well, I've never done this, but, Ange, I, I did bring oh. a few envelopes. Oh, this is great. Before you exit, I want to – you said your oh. last one, right? Yes, this is it. So I want to make sure that I've uh, that I've, I've, I've paid this the proper, proper homage. We have not done this on this show, and uh, Bob would say it's for very reason because Bob will tell me every day you're not funny. So, I mean, that's part of the reason. Yeah. And I trust him as Just a journalist. I trust him. Yeah. I found you to Can't be a, a, Bob's, Bob's a good journalist. You to be an annoying basketball expert when I had you on our show, too, Bob. <laughs> there we go. I uh, pissed, not oh, well, true. Quick. He was actually yes. amazing. I right. pissed Angelo off once on his You show. did? I don't, you did? I don't remember that. You did? So I'm driving down the shore with my daughter, and I'm scheduled to be on it at a certain time with you. And in all honesty, kind of forgot to reattach me. I throw the show on, and you're doing a tri- you're asking trivia question. And you said, "What's the biggest trade in Philadelphia history? The best trade in Philadelphia history?" Nobody's getting the answer. You're getting pissed off. 
I didn't know that you had a prize attached to it. Oh, no. I call in. Angelo takes me on. I said, yeah, before we start talking Sixers, can I answer this trivia question? You said, yeah, sure. I go, Bernie Perron, are you kidding me? Doug Favell, Bernie Perron. Oh. You stupid bastard. We're giving away <laughs> prizes for this. <laughs> I was lost. He asked me a question about the Sixers, and I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm stu- never going to be on this show again. Doesn't sound like me, Bob. Well, okay, that doesn't sound, you were always very calm and everything. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm right, going to give you John Eck oh. returns for, for three special ones oh, to get you out of here. This is awesome. All right. Pee Wee Herman and Rob Thompson. Ooh. Pee-wee this Herman. is where you would repeat. Yeah. Pee-wee Herman and Rob Thompson. Okay, now two men forever famous for yanking things. <laughs> oh, boy. See, see, <laughs> oh, boy. See, see? I mean, the man's, the man's dead. I mean, he is. The he man is. is God, rest, God rest his soul. How about Jesus' tomb, Capone's vault, and Angelo's wallet? Uh-oh. <laughs> Jesus' tomb, Capone's vault, and Angelo's wallet. Uh, give me three things that have only been opened once. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was good. Where do you get the little I'm just a gen- comedic genius, you would say. Yeah. All right, and finally, Big Ange and Little Ange. Oh, boy. <laughs> Big Ange and Little Ange. Okay, they name something that no longer gets up in the morning and something that no longer gets up at night. <laughs> Big Ange. I forgot how dirty yours were. <laughs> and nasty. Sorry, and father. nasty. <laughs> Father's five of those. He uh, did laugh. I didn't need that visual. Hey. I got to be honest. I right. didn't need it. Everybody need Well, Pat, this is where I thought you'd insert. No, insert. The blue insert, joke. Stop with the, the insertion joke. after the joke. I think the blue chew oh. code would I'm be I'm not inserting anything. Hey. Promo code fanatic. The book is loud. And, Angelo, you are family forever for me, and uh, I appreciate you so much for what you did for me and my family, and uh, I am so proud of you. And everybody, grab the book. Get it for any Philly sports fan in your life, anybody who ever listened to Angelo before we came on the air and you changed. Uh, you know, is it, be listening. So, Angelo, I love you. Don, I love you, and I thank you for all that you did for us and for all you're doing now. You're, thank- you're in a, you, you are truly an inspiration to every one of us, and okay. I appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Angelo Cataldi, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Grab the book and uh, be sure to do that. We're a little late for break, but we'll get to it next. John Kincaid Show here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. 7-5 The Fanatic. John Kincaid Show on 97.5 The Fanatic. Everybody's in eating, getting their breakfast on this morning, which is great. And I say to the guys, Bob, whatever you brought back smells really, really good. Yeah, I got a uh, sausage and cheese on an everything bagel. My God, uh, uh, sausage, egg, and cheese. It is delicious. Well, it's, it's, it's from, thanks from our friends at Homegrown Coffee and Creations. They're such nice dudes, too. 
That's awesome to yeah. see. And everybody's in there getting their food now. Nobody wanted to leave when Ange was here. South Philly's favorite coffee and breakfast spot where every trip to the stadium should begin. Go to 1515 West Porter Street and find out for yourself. Thank you. Homegrown coffee and creations. And uh, I think we're going to be getting to know these guys very, very well with a lot of our live shows. So congratulations and uh, thank you to them. Appreciate everybody uh, hanging out with us there. We did not have a winner. Alan Iavecchia did not call in. Aw, man. So. Oh, oh he, he did, did call. call. Oh, I'm sorry, Gunn. Wow. We did not Let's know. Let's do that again. So, Gunn, uh, in other words, we're two for two this week. We did have a winner, a double winner. Right, Gunner? Yes, we had a double winner. I thought he was going to come on and talk to me. Today. Yeah, we had a double winner today. That's uh, nice. Stay, he it, called right away. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't want to interrupt the interview with Ange, so. I just told him we'll get him his prizes. That's awesome news. He is going to win the $150 Amazon gift card and passes to see Silent Night, which is a horror flick, you say, Pat, right? Horror. No, I got that wrong. No? Uh, Stolen movie guy, Valor. It's not a horror flick. It's an action movie. It's an action movie. I was told it was like John Wick. I apologize to everybody I let down. Well, Uh, It will not happen again. It won't happen again. Alan Iavecchia will be glad to go see it and enjoy it. Plus, that $150 Amazon gift card is going to come in. He's also going to win... The comedy tickets, which is great. He wins a pair of tickets to see Sebastian Maniscalco on September 27th of next year. Oh, Maniscalco's good. At well, uh, Wells Fargo Center. Phenomenal. He's hilarious. He is, ri- he is one of the fastest risers right now in live shows, too. Oh, he's the king right now. I mean, it, I saw Maniscalco probably two years ago, right after the pandemic at the uh, Yeah, I remember Wells when you Fargo. went, and I said to you, what's oh, a comedy man. show like at the Wells Fargo? So much fun. He has an opening act, too, so you, you get, you know, you get like a good three hours of comedy. It's it's pretty good. It's uh, Some tickets remain at Ticketmaster.com. Some tickets remain. Alan Iavecchia, thank you for making us a winner so we're two for two this week and it'll be andrew salchunas who's looking to also go two for two and that'll come up today at noon and then at four o'clock this afternoon on the best show ever your chance to win fabulous prizes on the fanatic prize wheel which uh, uh balsa one of our listeners said haley is the best prize win spinner so Haley getting uh, you know quite the reviews too, which is great. Uh, that was uh, it was fun having Angelo with us. That was a nice uh, nice little uh, uh, trip down memory lane. Get the book, get loud, and uh, I think you'll enjoy the book. And it's an, and if you're a Philly sports fan, it really does take you on a little bit of a ride through the last thirty years. All right, I have a question yes, that sir. I'd like to put out there to our uh, diminished studio audience and every, yeah, they're all everybody eat- is getting something to eat. <laughs> But since you're here, you listen to the show, you kind of know us as people a little bit. If John Kincaid were to write a book and it was a one-word title, what would you guys give that title to be? Well, a one-word, and it's got to be a one-word title. We can think on it. I asked Pat the same question earlier about himself. Had he written something, what would the one-word title be? Pat came up with mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah. would be, that, wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be if your parents wrote the book? Wouldn't that, I mean, well, or is that, he's honest yeah. enough to know it. Yeah, yeah like it's, it's, it's a level of self-awareness that you clearly don't have. <laughs> well, I don't. I would say uh, uh, Brendan Gunn says bullpucky should be the one word. I would say uh, relentless. I, yeah, I was going to say survivor, relentless. Relentless. Like I'm that. a little relentless. That's a good one. And I can also be relentless on stupid stuff, too, as you well know, Bob. 
you know, uh, sharing, yeah. <laughs> sharing tight oh, I know. spaces. So, I mean, you know it, too. I, 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 was, I got a little nervous when Father walked in today, and he says, Bob, can I see you for a second? I said, what's up? He goes, I just want to give you a blessing. A little blessing. I listen every day, God. He brought God the Holy Water with him, yeah, so, which is great. Much appreciated. It Bob. was, uh, it is, uh, we, we, we were... We, 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 we talk so much about the Eagles today, and it was interesting to hear Angelo talking about the fact is there's never anything that sells better in this town than critique of coaches. It always seems like it is the way it is the way that people make the, you know, make the biggest connection. Uh, I, I would think that one thing I'm real proud of is I don't think any time that we criticize it's contrived. I think it's always based on something as far as it's not contrived critique. And honestly, I feel like the storm, we saw a lot of the elements of the storm that's happening in December. We, we saw a lot of these elements through the course of the year. And there were people going, you guys are being negative. Oh, my gosh. They're seven and one. What are you being negative about? And that is because uh, you saw it wasn't going to be good enough against the best teams. Yeah, and, and, and we weren't being negative. No. We were carrying on through what the coaches were saying. They were also saying they weren't playing their best football. Yes. We got sick and tired of Jalen Hurts after another win saying we're not playing up to standard. All of that, uh, yeah, it was right there out in front of us. Besides watching the games and, and the eye test being what it was, I don't want to say the Eagles were failing the eye test when they're winning games, but they weren't meeting the standards, uh, if I'm going to call it. Oh, Jalen there's the standard yeah, again, but, Bobby. But I don't, I don't. I don't think we were being negative. I think I don't either. Look, Angelo said something that kind of opened my ears a little bit when he said he got called into that first meeting and said, yeah, you're not a journalist anymore. You're here to be entertaining and all that stuff. Well, that's what you're here for, John. And that, and that's what you're really good at. And your and your sports talk stuff. I still do the journalistic thing. And, you know, when you and I first talked before we did this show, uh, that's what you said. Because I think it's I think it's lacking in sports talk radio what you bring to the table. I actually think is lacking a bit because I think if somebody is going to be all opinion, 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 which I am, then I think it's great to have somebody around who says, well, I, I've been in a ton of these situations before and you're, you're, you're missing the point on this or you're missing the point on that from a journalistic standpoint. Yeah. I, I think that's positive. So point being, uh, not that I wasn't, point being is that, yeah, contrived isn't a word that's really in my vocabulary when when we're talking no. about it, it's like the honest feelings of of backed by some facts of what's going on in this city right now and sometimes it's not favorable uh that's why i asked angelo the question of did you go towards the negative cuz it was a better sell it really- or was that what this sports city presented to you and his answer was perfect. No, it was an honest feeling. That's why you can carry through for 33 years like he did, because he's being honest with himself and he's being honest with his listeners. And I think it really is him. And that's the bottom line. And it's something that I definitely learned from him is don't be somebody that you're not. Like if you, if, if you got weird quirks and you do whatever it is, don't be somebody you're not. Don't act like you don't have them. Pat, I mean, that's something yeah, that just you definitely yourself. embrace. Yeah, I, I think uh... – I think in this city, more than most, they can kind of see through a phony and a fake. So you got to be who you are. Yeah, just uh, just own it. If you have a bad opinion, bad take, it happens. You move on. You you don't hide from it. You just you know be yourself. So the because live- uh, be, being so trying to trying to just like yeah, act a certain way, it's just exhausting. It is, and and more importantly, it's supposed. To, I think it's a format, in my opinion, that has gotten a lot less fun. I think the format has become a lot more, um, a lot more corporate, and it, it doesn't seem as fun 
And I would say there are things like I'll tell our, our young crew behind the scenes. There are things that we did in radio 20 years ago that would get you fired today. You would absolutely be shown the door for doing the same exact things today. And I think that takes away from the, the format a bit that people used to be a little more able to joke, able to laugh, able to smile. Uh, I think we live in a, in, in a much tougher time. Let's put it that way. Yeah, forget the jokes and smiles. We want X's and O's, John. That's <laughs> what we're all about. I, and the funny thing is, is I don't believe that the majority of people come for X's and O's. I think they come for saying, well, what is, what is your opinion on this or what is it? And then they want to disagree or they want to agree and, and, and they want to get in on it. Right now with this Eagles coaching staff, though, nothing is in agreement. There doesn't seem – there were a few – there were people who have been carrying the water for the two coordinators – through a large portion of this season and trying to make every excuse in the book for it. And it is, it, it can be expert after expert. And whatever you want to believe if, if somebody's an expert in their field or uh, because they were an ex player or whatever, but the criticism of this Eagles approach defensively and offensively is uniform. There's nobody defending it. So if anybody's defending it in Philly, I don't know what you're watching or you're just going by, oh, well, they're uh, sixth in points scored in the NFL. So if the defense changes anything, if Sean Desai brings his group in next week, next week and something changes, what is going to be most notable to us as followers, fans of the football team? I think they're going to get after quarterback. That's yeah. the thing. It's going to be, oh, you got a blitz, you got a blitz, you got a blitz. Okay, and that, that has not been good for them, as you point out. Right. I mean, that's the most notable thing that people will want and see because you can blatantly see, oh, my God, they brought more than four guys. But it doesn't work. I mean, you're talking about no, 10 for 11s for 145 yards and two touchdowns. Like, it doesn't work when they blitz. They're not good at blitzing because they don't. They have zero coverage over the top. And when that happens, you're talking about one-on-ones, and boom, it's over. So the scheme that Sean Desai is going to have to change up with this team might be something that we don't really notice per se. It, it's not going to be, you know, what do we notice? We notice blitzing, and we're going to notice if you're right up on wide receivers as opposed to backing Yes, up. exactly. Well, he's got to come up with something that, that is probably even over our heads, that is stopping things. And whether that's Absolutely. rotation of safeties during a play, disguising coverages, which we can't see on television anyway, uh, it's not going to be the most obvious things to us. And if it is, it's trouble because the most obvious thing, which is blitzing, does not work for this team. If this team gets punked by Drew Locke on Monday night, yeah. or this team gets punked even by Geno Smith, yeah, and, I sort of, and I sort of like Geno Smith's game a little bit, if either one of those guys does a Sam Howell and looks like they're ready for the Pro Bowl, uh, I'm, I'm going to be really pissed on Tuesday morning. I am going to be completely – at that point, I will think the wheels have fallen off the wagon. Yeah, at that point, it's, uh, it's not a rut that you're stuck in. It's that, that's, that's the standard that they talk about. Like, that is it. You know, it's not a good standard, but that's the standard is your defense gets torched by anybody who can throw a football. It's so funny, too, is with the, the whole standard stuff is that I've never heard people refer to it, coaching staff, every single one of the coaches – uh, Jalen Hurts constantly. Some of the other players on offense and defense have referenced it, and they never define it. They never define it. No, they never I mean, define I think, what the standard is. I think we're just supposed to assume it's what we saw last year. Which but, would be great. No, right? I, I think, Stan, I've said this before. Sorry, Pat. I think standard's perfection. Really? I do. I, I've said this before. I think standard is perfection. It's unattainable, 
But why aren't you always looking for perfection? Don't you want to be a perfect person, a perfect husband, a perfect father? You're always trying to be that. That's the standard to be. Is it realistically attainable? Probably not. Definitely not. But that's what you're striving like, for. Like, He's striving to go 24 for 24 for 400 yards and six touchdowns. It's probably not going to happen, but that's the standard that you set for yourself. I would think it's really easy for one of them to sit behind a microphone and say, what's the standard? I think the standard, if you're Jalen Hurts, the standard is I got to play a clean game. I can't cough up the ball. And then we I say that's to- it? No, no, and then he, you know he'll, I mean? he'll go on a no, but he'll go on a more. Is that I got to play? I got to play an efficient game. I have to keep the chains moving. We got to win time of possession. These are the things we want to check off every week as being our standard. It's easy to just say it to just but get you up there. Already to, know it, but you I just labeled it perfectly, John. You did it perfectly, exactly. But how do I know, you know that it. that's what he considers the standard? Because that's the standard every quarterback should have. They're looking it for perfection. Be. Hey, we uh, we got plenty coming up. Is is, is is as you look at this team right now. Do you think, is there anything that you're hearing that you consider to be too negative as far as critique of this coaching staff, critique of where this team is at right now? Because there's some of you out there, and you can join us at 610-632-0975. It's the John Kincaid Show. We do have some of our live audience back because they were not eating at the moment, so they can just uh, hear you as we leave here, here on 97.5 The Fanatic. 97.5 The Fanatic. All right, 9 o'clock hours brought to you by the Baxter. Welcome into our live audience uh, that is here, the, the ones that are still not eating. No, that, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of hungry people that came to see us today. Oh, my gosh, that food is... I almost is... lost a finger trying to grab something over Homegrown there. Homegrown coffee and creations. Dude, this sandwich is incredible. This is a great sandwich. Yeah, I mean... It this, really is. The only reason I showed up today was the sandwich. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't well, realize you that. thought I showed up for you? I thought you showed up for Angelo. Well, I mean that was a bonus, but Saying, like, what if I breakfast- re- what if I got to work with somebody who's really, really talented? Free breakfast is free breakfast, John. You know, he showed up for him. Oh, he, he showed up for South Tunis. You knew uh-huh. Tunis would be here too because Andrew South Tunis is That's with right. us. Hello, in the What's nine up? o'clock That's hour, my former What's neighbor, up? my coworker. But not friend. Not, not friend. Not my friend. Not friend. Nine o'clock hours brought to you by the Bagster. It's a dumpster in a bag. You knew that, Tunis. You've heard that over time. Get yours today at Home Depot and Lowe's. For details, go to bagster.com. Andrew Salchunas from Middays on the Fanatic. Yeah, I found it interesting that after Angelo left, everybody went out to go get food. Yeah, they all waited till no Angelo was in, in the, and gave that. That was awesome, by the way. It was great. I listened the entire time. It was very it, it, was, it was fun to hear. Um, he's uh, he was a big influence. Yeah, of big course. influence. So uh, you know, big influence for the city too. For oh my what gosh, we do. Huge. obviously for you. But oh, huge for what we do. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we have a career if uh, for not guys. No, like no, no. Exactly. Mike and, yeah. Yes, yeah. Mike Missinelli. You know, you you think of Mike. You yeah. know, as one of those guys, as one of those trailblazers. Frederick. This, uh, Howard Eskin. Yep. You know, there's, there's, yep. there's, there's names. And I know oh, people go, oh, my God, he's saying names from the other station. I don't give a damn. Oh, we'll dump it. Don't worry. I don't <laughs> give a damn. These are the people who, thankfully, I have a career because I grew up listening to them. Yeah. And you grew up listening to everybody. Uh, no. Because no, you're. That's actually not You're 22, yeah, 23. But, uh, 30, 30, almost, but 30. Uh, no, I didn't listen to sports radio. I've told you didn't. Yeah, you no, did. You said I, that. Yeah, I just kind of started doing it <laughs> and it was kind of fun. You didn't need to listen because you were so in love. Well, no, I mean, once I started, then I started listening to everybody and I thought that helped me out a lot because I wasn't, I'm not just some punk kid walking in here thinking I could do stuff. Well, I, you, you still are a punk kid, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Aren't we all? Punk. But yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's incredible how, you know, you learn so much from listening to guys like you and listening to, to Angelo over the years and it's, it's, you know, it's. It's great for us, and that's what I've always said to, you know, when I talk to kids that are trying to get in here, right? They're like, oh, what can I do? Listen. Yes. Like, you know, you might have a podcast. You might. I did Temple Radio, right? Yes. I would yell and scream on the Temple Radio because I knew what I was talking about. And then I started listening to people that actually do, and I go, oh, okay, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. 
It's well, like it, I think we're all going to figure it out in a year or two. Yeah, maybe. I think we'll all figure it out. It, it's okay. like kids that want to write for a living. You right. Know, read. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, read. Everything read? that you do well in life, you imitate. Right, absolutely. And so read from the best writers. If you're going to be want to be a sports writer, read the best sports writers. And, you know, all of that. You're, you're exactly right. That's why I watched film of Michael Jordan. Like I'm, that's you were why, right there. Uh, that's why I've heard about I it. It was close. Give my shot. That's all. When you when you hear what Angelo has to say and what he what he shared with us, that knowledge of just there there will the Philly will never tire of critique of their coaches and managers. I I think it's something it's something that I learned from him, but I truly do believe it. I just think in today's day and age, it requires a little more nuance as far as people want you to be more because everybody's got their phones out and they get their right. stat. And but but it's, it's also it's it's strange, right? So you guys were also talking about how much people have changed, right? Uh, the sports fans in this town are completely changed. Year one of Jalen Hurts as a starter, yes. I was extremely critical. Uh, he has improved so much in his career. His first year as a starter, they had to run the football just to get to the playoffs. And oh, by the way, they had to play what three teams that had uh, quarterbacks out because of COVID. And because of injuries, they shouldn't have made the playoffs that year. If, if teams were fully healthy and didn't have COVID, they wouldn't have made the playoffs. But because they made the playoffs and because Jalen Hurts was the quarterback. I was a hater, right? Like, I was the bad dude. Like, how dare you? And it's like, whoa, hold on a second. We can't criticize players anymore? No. But coaches still do. Doc Rivers never won a game in this town. He lost, to people, yeah. he lost every game in this town, but he never won a game. And it is something that I just, like, I look back at it, and, 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 and Pat and Bob will get on me about it. It's like, I look back, I think the stupidest thing I heard last year all year was Jonathan Gannon. Just as it, and now we see how bad it can be. We see how bad it can be on, with come on. We see on, how man. bad it can be. The the most the 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 on, biggest man. the biggest impactful defense in the history of the franchise. I don't think you're getting any sympathy not. from. Uh, I know. No, but it no, is, no, no. No, but the I, thing I, is, I though, not, I will not leave. But that it side. is. But it is. He sucks. He's terrible. No, you may not like certain things that he does. There's a lot of things. But he was. He had the most impactful defense ever. Not Jim Johnson. Not Buddy Ryan. He did. Yeah, he had more talent last year, too, than this team. He had a great talent. Oh, I no. Mean, I mean, this team, literally, Christian Ellis was playing linebacker two weeks ago and, and had to get cut. How come we never hear about the Eagles' injuries? By the way, this town doesn't reflect, like, like people are like, well, all these people are injured and, and quarterbacks are injured and things like We never hear about the Eagles' injuries being the reason that they're not. No, it's, it's strange. Uh, you know, Ray and I have talked about this a lot during the, the midday show. There's, there's always different stuff, like how national media react to Philadelphia, not just injuries. Uh, David Carr says how uh, Jalen Hurts can't read a defense after, after one bad game. Um, uh, Stephen A. Smith, who I respect, right? We talk about sure. titans in the industry. Stephen A. Smith talks about how the Eagles, uh, they were delegitimized. their NFC champions last year because of the way the San Francisco 49ers beat them up. How come nobody talks about Brock Purdy as the guy that, like Chris Sims, oh, well, I mean, if, if you put any quarterback in that lineup, yeah. he'd be just fine. They said that about Jalen Hurts. Has anybody said that about Brock Purdy? He's got Debo, he's got Brandon Nayuk, he's got George Kittle, he's got Christian McCaffrey, he's got that offensive line. But no, he's the darling, right? Because he's the Mr. Mr. Irrelevant, Irrelevant, final pick in the draft. But Jalen Hurts, who's a second-round pick, who was like a third or fourth-round draft grade, he plays with A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard, and he benefits because of that. But Brock Purdy, he's the reason why that operation ticks point. in San Francisco. It should be the start That's of your a great show point, man. It may, it may be. That's very thoughtful. Who knows? Well, it's funny, there was a, uh, there was a column written 
last week or before San Francisco came into town by one Mike Sealski. I saw that. That became very controversial about how much of a god Brock Purdy would have been. Uh, Taken out of context, there was a lot of things. The article was actually, the column was actually Right, it was the tweet that It was the tweet that he didn't do. I thought thought the column was dead on accurate. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, 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 I thought it was very accurate. Great read. Yeah, but, you know, we don't like to go back saying, oh, last year, because it doesn't make any difference. The next game is Seattle. Last year really doesn't. But I do want to ask you this, Andrew, and and you brought it up since you bring it up. Is this year's San Francisco 49ers team how much better than last year's Philadelphia Eagles team? Uh, I, I on par? Like I Okay, I mean, no, it's an honest question. The Eagles not... were dominant last year. Right? Like we talk about the Eagles were 10 and 1 at one point, now they're 10 and 3. But what were we saying all season long? They just still haven't had that blowout win. They had blowout wins last year, a lot of them. And then there them. were then there were the couple of Trap game situations like the Indianapolis game, the Arizona game, the Houston game, but they just kept finding ways to win. It's not like San Francisco was dominant this past weekend against Seattle. They found a way to win, and but you know people keep on talking. Oh, look at this team; they just keep on winning. That was the Eagles last year. So I would almost say on par to the Eagles last year because it's going back to what I just said. Look at all those weapons that Brock Purdy has. The same weapons, kind of, that Jalen Hurts had last year and has this year. So I would say on par. Okay. Defense may be a little bit different, but the Eagles had 70 sacks last year. Like, they had a historic defense last year. Yeah, and then the offense set up a lot of that. Yeah. Because they were up two scores and able to tee off on people. Yeah, so I would say very similar because the, you expect almost the offense, the 49ers offense, to score every time they have the football. Six straight times against the Eagles. I expected the Eagles to put up points every drive last year. What, uh, what, what Eagles topic are you sick of talking about? What, what Eagles topic makes you, like, bang your head against the, the microphone? Uh, I, you know what? I kind of hate the, they could easily be, uh, you know, seven and whatever, you know, yeah, 10 and annoying. three right now. They could easily be seven and six, like, but they're not. Yeah. They won yeah, those right? games. They yeah. found ways when they got stops, when they needed to get stops, they scored, they came from behind when they needed to come from behind. They scored touchdowns. They made adjustments. That is a part of football. Like just cause you have a bad first quarter doesn't mean you have a bad game. But why do you keep on having bad first quarters? Well, I mean, like this team has had bad first quarters for two months. Yeah, it's been it's been weird because they're actually driving downfield. They're just not yes. they're not finishing in the red zone the last couple of weeks. You brought up the stat in the pregame show a few weeks ago, Bob, that they were ten for their last ten scoring touchdowns in the red zone, and now since then they've kind of gone back down. So it's weird. I mean, it's, it seems like game plan wise, sometimes it's good, but then they can't finish the job, or sometimes the game plan isn't great, but the adjustments are good. Good teams find ways to win. So I think that's the thing that I'm most tired about. The Man, if one thing, if, if Marcus Valdez-Scantling caught that football, they would have lost that game. Well, they also would have had a minute and a half and two timeouts left. And at the time, Jalen Hurts, nobody hated Jalen Hurts, right? At the time, we all thought, well, if Jalen Hurts had 90 seconds to go downfield and two timeouts, he'd score. By the way, by the way, just want to throw you in. Andy sends me an email and wanted to thank you guys for same-game parlays. He made two hundred and thirty dollars the other day. Nice. He, donated, Boy. he donated eighty bucks to the AACR. Oh, that's oh, awesome! That's and good. kept one fifty. Cool but he said, that. "What are you guys like? What are you guys giving away winners on the pregame show?" That's, that's what we do. Well, what we now, who was responsible? I, I asked him. He didn't answer me in the email. Who's responsible for the winners? Like, who did you all win? In the well, uh, show? we do two at the end of every segment, so we end up having a ten-leg parlay. Ten-leg, right? Yeah. So it's up to you if you want to go all ten or if you want to maybe pick. He your won two thirty. Yes, on multiple on multiple bets that you guys gave out. Yeah, so we. I mean, if you just do the individual bets, they okay. do hit. It's just you know, if you do a ten-leg parlay and one doesn't hit, you right. you like, lose. Like here's some from last week: AJ Brown over eighteen and a half. Gotcha. We had. 
Uh, C.D. Lamb under ninety two and a half. Yeah, that, that's we a, had. That, and that was crazy. Uh, was Hertz over thirty nine and a half rushing? I don't think he was. No, because they stopped running the football. Yeah. So you were, you're giving <laughs> so one every yeah. segment, like type of thing. We had Devontae Smith over four and a half receptions, yeah. which was yours. So yeah, we give it. We give it out winners, and, though. That's what we do. What so we here's do. the question I want to ask you guys. It just popped into my head. Do you think the Eagles played better last week than they did against San Francisco? And is that a positive thing? Yes. Uh, they did. Nobody wants to hear it, but Devontae Smith dropped a touchdown pass. A.J. Brown dropped a potential touchdown pass or would have led to a tush push, and now all of a sudden they have 27 points. And the conversation, it's a totally the different conversation. Game. And you didn't even bring up three fumbles. And three fumbles. Uh, they just didn't execute. So they did play better than San Francisco. I, I'm not feeling better, though, because of it. You're not, though? I no, said they Pat, lost 30 Pat refused earlier. I tried to give Pat homework. He yeah. said, screw you. I'm not doing it. I, I love the 11-minute games, I'm watching not, yeah, the 11, 12-minute games. They lost by three scores. No, but the, not the Dallas like, game, ah. though, when you watch the Dallas 12-minute game and you watch the San Francisco 12-minute game, the 12-minute game in San Francisco, you think this team's dead on arrival. Yeah. You watch the Dallas game, you go, it's execution. They can fix these things. Everything can be fixed from Dallas. Yes, it can be. But here's, here's going to be a problem that we're going to hear for the next month, right? I'm going to teaser for the next month of sports we'll content like or calls or tweets that you'll get. It's going to be just like the freaking Sixers and wake me up when they get out of the second round. It's going to be, all right, they beat Seattle. All right, they beat New York. All right, they beat Arizona. Wake me up when they play San Francisco or Dallas in the playoffs. And that's what those two losses have now also put in my brain. Is that fair? Is it fair for someone to have that opinion, though? Yeah, I think so. I think it is, too. I tell you what, I don't think after the last two games you can be that cavalier about saying, wake me up when they get to the second round. Honest to God. like yeah. The way they played the last two games, you bring in a playoff team, I don't care if it's here or if they have to go there, you're you're comfortable to say, yeah, no problem there. You got that game. Not the way they played the last no, two weeks. You can't not say at that. all. No, absolutely no. not. Yeah. So I think it's an interesting question, though, because I, I thought about it. It popped in my head as you were talking. You did have a chance against Dallas. Like you, you as as lopsided as it was, you know, three fumbles, the two missed catches that you talk about. Did they improve on their play? They only gave up six points, I think, or nine points in the second half to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Did the defense find something? Is was there improvement? Are we not seeing that? I I don't know. It didn't come into my mind. It, that was, it was better. If you're going to ask me, did they play better against Dallas and San Francisco? Absolutely. But am I feeling better because? They play better in a game where they still lost by 20 points. Like, no. I always feel better when something can be fixed. I always feel worse when it's something that, yeah, that's probably not going to be fixed because the personnel's not good. I just don't know what's going to get fixed. Offense could get fixed. I do, too. We, talk, we talked about this on, on uh, Sunday. There's still this in the back of my mind. Are they still holding some stuff off the field because they want to save it come playoff time. Uh, we did see some different routes. Like, Devontae Smith was running different routes uh, this past Sunday. Well, they gave up the number one seed to, to experiment if right, that was exactly. the case. Right, exactly. And, and that, I don't like that. But I still wonder in the back of my mind, is there still some stuff that they haven't shown on tape because they don't want to put it on the field? And then they all of a sudden, when they play these teams again in the playoffs, because let's face it, who are you going to play probably in the playoffs? Either Dallas or San Francisco, yeah. if not both. Unless you're the two seed. Unless you're the two seed. But defensively. Then you might get away with it. Defensively, I don't know how you can get better. I, you ain't hiding anything what, there. Right, exactly. What's going to change? And if you are, you, you, somebody's going to get They hurt. try blitzing, right? We scream all the time, blitz more. They and try blitzing, terrible. and they don't get home, and then there's a big completion. There's a big play. Uh, they try playing soft zone coverage. They get picked apart because of personnel. Uh, they try to play man, and it seems like maybe Darius Slay and James Bradbury lost a step, even though Slay actually ended up having a good game. Yeah, these guys have game. lost a step a little bit, and – 
you're banged up. We just go back to the injury thing. I mean, Reed Blankenship seems to be banged up every single game. Fletcher Cox seems to be the new Jason Peters where he's leaving games, you know, every single week. And it's just, it's kind of at that point, which sucks, but they do have an offense that can score 30 points and you can potentially outscore teams. Is this roster more likely to have wholesale, like big name changers of guys retiring, guys walking away if they win or if they lose? No, uh, I, guess, I mean, is well, it like they a- win? Cause people like to go out on a high note. People don't want to walk out after losing. I mean, that's arguably why Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson are back. But after losing, you're going to be forced to make some, you're, this team's going to have to be forced to make huge changes on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think I think player-wise, they'll probably know what's going on. Like, I wonder if a guy like Jason Kelsey goes, man, I've been here for a long time, and, and this doesn't look like we're heading in the right direction. Which, look, they're, they're still going to win 13, 14 freaking games, right? Like, they're still a good football team. Uh, but I wonder if they lose, maybe they go, I can't, I can't do that again. I mean, look, the off-season training, it's, it's, it's a 365-day job now. How many times have you heard, man, back, back in the day, people showed up to the camp out of shape? You could be. Now you're in shape you showing camp. up yes. to camp, yeah. right? So you, it looks like the workout, sorry, John, right. that, that players post in the offseason are probably as grueling, if not more grueling, oh, more. than anything they go through in training More camp. grueling than training Running camp. up hills with 30-pound right. bags on their back. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. You do that every afternoon, Bob. I'll I tell you what. I No, I can't do anything <laughs> anymore. I you know, I'm starting to ingratiate the the fact that Pat calls me pup up. You just you're starting I, I love to, calling I, you pup up. To, I'm starting. You're my pup up. So is your wife. Like I asked him today. I said, "Look, pup up has to put some wood in the backyard. Can you come over? And hey now, in a wheelbarrow. Hey now. And uh, and and Pat's like, "No, nah, pup up. I think you got this. You just take your time. If you yeah. start feeling pain, sit down and." You know, and what did I get year? you? What did I get you for your birthday? A life alert. That's good. Yeah. Do you use he wear, it? No, he doesn't wear it anymore. You don't use it. So when you're out there, put on your life alert. I, that's well, funny you bring that up. So my mother-in-law. Now you just gave away what quick. I'm giving to my brother for Christmas. Yeah, real quick. Last night, my mother-in-law slept over and we, we were talking to her. She's 83 or whatever. And we brought that same thing up. Like, well, where is it? She goes, it's fine. It's in my drawer in the kitchen. Like, What's do that help? What, do, yeah, do you, do you get, get the point of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, gotta no. crawl over. Let me to crawl it to the kitchen and be able to get it. So yeah, I just remind him when he calls me pop up that I still could kick your ass. So that's, that's <laughs> if you want to go, bud. We just got to film it for for social media and web content. Okay, just but we can go. Yeah, all right. Take off your shirt and wrestle me. Did you and and Pat? I want your answer to this too. Did you in any way take offense or uh, question? When Angelo said, "Yeah, this fan base has completely changed," no, because I from the time about it all the time. Yeah, you do. You you're an old soul. So I came to a realization with Anthony probably three years ago, and it's oh, you know what? I know exactly when it was. It was after they won the Super Bowl because okay. week week two, uh, week two they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, and bad I, game. I was angry, and then I was the hey hey whoa they just won the Super Bowl leave them be. And I'm like, well, I uh, you know I, I want to win again. Like you know, one way to consume Eagles football. Yeah, pretty much. That's and I, it. And it's probably because of my dad. Like, he, you should see the texts I get every single I've week. I've seen the videos of your father. They could be up 30 to nothing, and it's screw this guy, fire this guy. You know, this this guy stinks. Uh, but something I came to a realization was I think a lot of people my generation don't want to be their dads. They don't want to be the – I mean, how many times do you hear about snowballs at Santa? And I even heard Angelo bring up the right. the batteries that J.D. Drew – 
it, we're talked about so negatively that I think people are trying to do the opposite of what led to this. What they go, oh man, well, we're actually not that bad of people, except for that Jo out in front of uh, the Eagles practice facility yesterday. Yeah, that guy was an ass. That is su- such an ass. You're it's, an. Ass. I, I tell you, I'm not going to celebrate you. I'm not going to say that you're no. Yeah, like yeah, it's great, good job, funny. No, like you're an ass. You tweet it out all the time. That's fine. I'm, I doubt Sean Desai is you know looking at your Twitter account, right. but you're standing outside his place of business. Like that's come on, man. And Bradbury and Slay. Yeah, that's you're putting weird. trash cans out there. Yeah, I would like strange. to see them pull up. And step out. Yeah, it'd be nice. Just, I, but yeah, I think I think people don't want to be the previous generation in terms of the Philadelphia sports fan, and I think that's why there's some people that go so far the opposite. Like, God forbid, I criticize Jalen Hurts for having a bad game. Yes. Or God forbid, uh, the only weird thing is like Embiid. Like everybody hates Joel Embiid. I don't buy that. I don't, like. I don't. I seriously. Do you talk to the people. No, but I seriously we do. But I don't buy that. Like I, I, I think I think that is the you're taking you're taking the callers. As the voice of reason, I don't think it because I, I don't believe every every, fifty. Every like, kid I every 51. kid I know has Maxi or Embiid. Okay, they all have Maxi or Embiid. Well, let me let me start off by saying I just hope that when I leave work today, there's nobody outside with a sign and a trash can for me. <laughs> oh, should I put it away? Uh, I would oh, yeah. I would I would appreciate it if you did and, and send the crisis actor home. Um, yeah, I I, I think when when the no, team race starting the show, I'm it's, be it's a live from the parking lot. Yeah, it's not turkey drop. It's just you know eight on Egan. Um, I think that the fan base lost a massive edge once they moved out of the link. I'm sorry. Once they I mean, moved, moved into the, into the, the once lane. once the vet came down, the rough exterior of Philadelphia sports fans, for the most part, that's a great down. theory. You know, you had a beautiful building in Citizens Bank Park. You had this new building that sucks in the link. I love the link. I can't stand so the link. I, think, I, think I love it. I think it's horrible. Uh, but you have you have these two like new brand new buildings. Whereas the 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 vet was a toilet bowl. Oh yeah. But it was our toilet bowl. You know, we loved it. We loved telling the stories about you know pick your own section nights during bad Philly seasons and and you, you and know, your dad seven hundred levels and stuff. Yeah, like it was a point of pride of like yeah that place sucks and it's rat infested but it's ours. And then you want to treat something nice, right? So you get Citizens Bank Park, you get the Lincoln. And I think with that, yeah, the uh, – and I can just tell you just from game day experience, the staff was informed to, like, cut down on that. Do you think there's a smartness that comes into it, though? Like, does the fan base at some point maybe a little bit collectively say, you know what, us being asses and stuff hasn't really worked. We don't win I, championships around here. Maybe a different approach I, Like, is- I, maybe – I don't know. I mean, you still, to the point of, like, not acting like an ass – you still got Eagles fans, at, Eagles chance at Phillies games, which I think is the dumbest thing in the world going on. What you won't though get is if you start yelling like this dude sucks, you've got somebody from the crew coming up to you being like, "Yo, right. stop!" And yeah. you didn't get that at the vet. You know, no. it was like it was you could it was a free for all. You could yeah, say whatever they, you wanted. But as Angelo pointed out, let's have a standing ovation to make sure somebody feels good. Hey, it worked. It didn't work when it counted, but I mean, they they may they maybe needed to do a second. They were one win away from the World Series. Yeah. It was a great ending. It was a, you, you, I can you, tell by the way you bring it up terrible. every day, and it was terrible. Every day you bring and it up, and it was terrible. <laughs> like why they were right? one win away from See, the World Series. This is the difference. Look, here, this, right. the, this is. I'm not going to sit here and get mad every day because <laughs> they were one win away. But that's the difference. Is that is that you? Ch- that was a choke job of epic proportions by an entire team. It's baseball. They had a bad three game stretch. Yeah, and I don't think Trey Turner was the reason why. Here's why I didn't like the Trey Turner standing. I don't like you. He was 0 for 27. That was Castellanos. My issue was, what if it didn't work? Now, fortunately, Pat, to your point, it did work. 
because all of a sudden he then goes on freaking right. tear. Look, by the and way, the I, NLDS I was shocked. Tremendous. I was shocked at words. Oh, me too. Like it, to it John's was, point, it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. I was worked. blown away. But if it didn't work, like, what was the next step? Yeah, were I mean, you gonna were you gonna boo again? And now this year, what if Trey Turner has a slow April? That and like, and are we gonna do another standing ovation? To John's point, like if we do another standing ovation for a, a Nick Castellanos who goes over oh, forty seven, and it, <laughs> and it doesn't end up working, then yeah, people are gonna go all right, like. If you remember when they did the standing ovation, he comes up the first the first at bat. He, he had a bleeder. He, yeah, like it was caught. It was, a it was caught. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, oh god. This, then he got two this, hits that night, right? Yeah, I think he got two more hits, but it was like, oh god, this isn't going to go well. Like your first at bat was the same as your other at bats. I just don't like the contrived nature of. No, I, I got like, you. It just doesn't. It doesn't fit, and that is something that never would have happened in this town a previous generation. I like. I like when I'm not, when I'm not having a good show and people cheer me. I like it. I, it's just right. Wait till I boo you at the break. <laughs> He's having a terrible show. Thank, hey, it's your, thank you. We're all thinking it, but I appreciate your hey. support. It just hey. goes back to what I always say. There are no rules to fandom. <laughs> Bob's, that there are be, no rules. Yeah. That should, will we have a t-shirt on that on the website? The word is fanatic. That's why the full word is fanatic. Wow. Because there just are no rules. You can say everything you want about how should they act. I'm just like, yeah, they're a fan. They can cheer. They can boo. They can do this. They can do that. Once you do, cross the line, I don't... Uh, right, you know. exactly. But you can do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, like tweeting at Darius Slay's wife. I mean, it's, that's, that's, that's uncalled Freaking for. Freaking weird. And that's man. the thing, like, that's just weird. Line and that's, that's really weird. Yeah, man. Like, hey. I, don't, I don't know about you guys, and I'm sorry, I know we're going to a break, but... As soon as they lose a game like San Fran or or Dallas, I, I'm I'm ignoring everything. You hit oh, mute. Yeah. Pat's taught me the mute yeah. button, which is awesome. Because oh, everybody's I angry. X so God's much better. There's no there's, and I don't blame people, but there's no like discourse. It's it's like anger filled tweets and it's just reactionary. And you but, suck. But like I know I know I suck. I don't need to be. No no no. I was just it. using that as an example. I feel I feel attacked. That's the way it goes. But it's I'll look hey, in the mirror. Hey, you know what? Well, why don't you go get something else from Homegrown Coffee and Creation? So good. South Philly's favorite coffee and breakfast spot where every trip to the stadium should begin. 1515 West Porter Street. That pork roll sandwich? Dude. Wait, they had pork roll? Yes. Yeah, you didn't see that? What? Doc, Doc, don't blame my brother. You had two. I I guarantee you he had one. He proudly proudly said he had two. He had yours and his. By the way, speaking of two, congratulations on your second holiday wheel spinner. That is is it. Uh, And you're going to go two for two today? I got to up today, yeah. Because we're going to give you a standing ovation if you, well, no. (laughs) Best show ever made it a standing ovation. (laughs) If they keep rolling over. Hey, great job. Andrew Satunas, ladies and gentlemen, be sure to be listening. He has to go do show prep. What? Is that or Ray? Wait, no, Ray. Ray's done all say, the show I was about prep. To say, does he do show prep? Ray's done all the show prep, and now Andrew will just reap the benefits of yeah. it. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. We got a lot more to come. Uh, much more of the Eagles as we get start to take a look at the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Mm, boy, John Kincaid on ninety-seven five, the fanatic. Ninety-seven five, the fanatic. Ninety-seven. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. (laughs) Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Five, the fanatic. Yeah, you better watch out. It's time for Bob's favorite. You better not. Bobby. John, you're ruining it. Well, no, it's already it's already ruined. It's already been ruined. It got ruined a long time ago. Santa Claus. Hey, coffee and breakfast provided by Homegrown Coffee and Creations. Give these boys. 
A so big good. ovation. South so Philly's favorite good. coffee breakfast spot. Every trip to the stadium should begin there. 1515 West Porter Street. Uh, the bagels, Bobby, were raving about. Absolutely amazing. Oh, the whole sandwich was just absolutely uh, fantastic. Perfect. I, I I'm, had not a, I'm not a huge eater, as you guys no, know. No, you're not. Oh, man. Shoo. That thing was gone. I, I had a moment with that sandwich. I think I need a cigarette afterwards. It was that good, eh? It was that good. I'm going to be thinking about it quite a bit. I it's like gonna that. Live, it's going to live. Rent, it's building condos in my head right now. That's oh, it's awesome. Really? So, yeah, definitely check them out if you're in South Philly area for sure. If not, make a pilgrimage. Okay, again, uh, did you did you guys have as visceral reaction as I had to the jackass, and I'll call him a jackass, out there putting trash cans with players' names on it in front of it? Because one of the things that always bothers me is, and, and, and it shouldn't, is that that then becomes the national media narrative. And a couple people tipping me off on social media that it's already like, oh, it's going to be on first take today. You know what Eagles fans are doing? This isn't Eagles fans. The the average Eagles fan wouldn't be this much of a jackass to go and put like players' names on trash cans and everything. There is a limit, Bob. There's a line, and it, it surprises me that it, it it surprises me. It bothers me as much as it does. Well, you you know, you look at it one way that these coaches, players, and all they chose a profession in which they're going to be in the national spotlight, certainly the local spotlight all the time, and with that comes some of this. Uh, I, I said to my bosses when I was a writer that I would never write a column saying, I want this guy or I think this guy should be fired. Simply because I would say, I would go to a team and say, is there a possibility? And then I say, the team might do this. Okay, right. But I would never give my, I would never call for another man's job. I just wouldn't. And that's just me. Now, did uh, that, did I, that meet any pushback? Uh, it was a long conversation, but my, you know, my boss understood it, and it was, you know, he was just like, "I'll give it to somebody else who'll do it." Okay, I, right, that's right, just, right. I just don't like calling for somebody else's job. If I say the team, you know, has let on that they might let go of him, or I think the team will let go of him at the end of the year, that's different than me saying I would get rid of him right now. These guys are going down there and asking somebody's husband and father to be fired. It's one of those things. Uh, yeah, that's that's a little too much for me. It's one of those things too, though, that you're calling a man trash. And you're putting his name on trash cans. I really would. I wish we lived in the day and age when players would roll up and go, really? I'm getting out of the car. And I'm going to deliver, deliver. Go up to you and have a conversation. I don't say that about we don't. You, I say I don't think we live in that. I think they would absolutely, Eagle Security would player. say, ignore it. Yeah. Don't get involved. There's nothing to gain here. That a-hole is looking for their 15 minutes, and they want you to give it to them. In the in the, uh, in the social media day and age we live in, there's no way that the players uh, good point. Camera comes can do out that. Right yeah, exactly. and immediately and then, the camera phones in their face. I, I've, I Look, i got to be honest. I've never had a problem calling in sports for guys' jobs. Um, I know there's a human angle to it, as you said, Bob, with the, you know, for the husbands and fathers and all that. But if, I've often said if you get a job in football, you have a job for life. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You'll bounce back. You make connections, and, you know, Sean Desai will be hired in about two minutes as somebody's secondaries coach or whatever. So um, he gets paid a lot of money, uh, comes with the territory of the criticism, and I'm sorry, but he's not doing the job. With that said, you know, I'm sitting here saying it on, with a microphone. I'm not going down and, and putting it in the guy's face. And I do think there is something to be said for, like, ignorance, you know, ignorance yeah. being bliss. And uh, and the fact that he went down there and did it, it's just, dude, just looking to be yeah, looking, looking to, to create something. Uh, like, what do, what do you think is going to happen? Like, Nick Sirianni is going to drive by you and go, oh, okay. Oh, we're going to bring it. Uh, he what saw a good the guy, thought. We'll saw the, guy get co- the guys get coffee last week. 
He was probably you think you think he did he it because think- he wanted free coffee. No, he was thinking that homegrown coffee and creations maybe was there at the Novacare facility and giving out sandwiches and 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 free coffee. If he thought that homegrown coffee was there, I understand trying to make a name for yourself. You do in that situation. I do okay because yeah, I'd make a sign. That says I'd, I'd make a sign that says fire me for their sandwich, <laughs> but I don't think that that was the case. I think he just wanted to, as you said, get 15 minutes of fame. You've gotten tinny all, all of a sudden. Yeah, it sounds we all weird. Got, we all gotten tinny. Sounds, there it uh, stopped. It stopped. It whatever sounds, it was, yeah. it was a little tinny. Uh, you said though, if you were, or if you were, if you were making a sign, yeah, your, what would it your, say? Yours would be what? I got to think about it. I, I was going to throw it to you guys first. Okay, I. Like if you had to go, if you were one of these guys that goes down to the Novacare complex the day after a game, and you got your sharpie, and you went okay. to you went to Staples, and you made a little poster board, what would it say? Stop reinventing the wheel. Ooh, I like that. And go what, back, what? go back, and look at what was successful last year, and start to do more of it because they've changed so much. They've changed so much, yeah. and people will be like, "Well, the league caught up to them." No, bull crap. No, they didn't do what last year's team did. Looks completely different. Their offense has looked different since week one. I like that a lot. So there's two different signs. Offense might be stop reinventing the wheel okay. or, or whatever. Uh, offense, I would say something. I would have two different signs. Offense. Uh, be more diverse or do something different. Some, like, like have fun with it or something to the effect of just try some different things. Get that jet sweep back in there. Get your slanting patterns, you know, maybe your go-to play. Don't forget about your tight end. How about you draw some just normal screens to your running backs coming out of the – you know, use your offensive line. That's a long sign. Use your – I don't even think this is a this million is, signs. This is a bit much, man. Or the print, or the print I, would be I'd so be, small. Yeah, I'd be like that person that just keeps, you know, <laughs> yeah. going back and forth. Love actually. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, could, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, more intuitive on the offense. How about that? Right, I like I, it. More intuitive. I would have two signs, and it would say, check your ego at the door. Love it. And then the next sign would say, because this isn't working. Whose ego is? All is, of them. All of them. I think. I think, I think. I think. I think. AJ Brown. I don't know. I don't think the play. I think it's. I think, I'm talking coaching staff. Like, I think I, it's. I think it's Sirianni. I think it's. I think it's Desai. I think it's. Brian Johnson, I think all three of them need to realize, like, yes, your record is very good. It's very impressive. You're one of the best teams, blah, blah, blah. There are deficiencies with this team, and we've seen it all year. And you might be blinded because, hey, it's working. But we look at it, invested in this team, in our in our DNA, we look at it like, yeah, but that could keep you from a Super Bowl. And they look at it like, yeah, we're, we're all right. Like, well, what are you talking about? You know, it's it's working. Everything's great. But it's not. And you've seen the deficiencies rear their ugly head the last two weeks. The 10-win season used to be a thing with uh, we got really comfortable with it with Andy Reid. The 10-win season. And then that became a talking point of negativity. Well, it hasn't led to Super Bowls. That didn't, uh. I'm a believer you got to knock on the door in the NFL. You got to be. You got to keep knocking on the door. Rarely is it you come out of left field and you go win a Super Bowl and then you go on a run. It's. A, I'd say the Patriots story of two thousand and one was a was an oddity. The Tom Brady comes in. It's out of nowhere. Does something. I think you got to knock on the door. You got to keep being in the mix. And then one of those years, things breaks for you, like in twenty seventeen. Kind of like what the Phillies are doing now. Yeah. You got to keep doing it. I keep uh, knocking on that door. Yeah. Until you kick it in. Yeah. No, I you know, you're not going to be you're not going to win if you're not in contention. No. You just don't come out of nowhere and all of a sudden win Super Bowls usually. So, yeah, I, I we'll we'll reevaluate when this 
year is done. It's one of the things, whether they win a Super Bowl or not, you have to reevaluate. It was one of the things that I was disappointed in, and I said it at the time. After the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and everybody was like, I'm good for 10 years, I remember Anthony get me, and I said, why didn't they? Why didn't they do anything to this defensive backfield? Like they, they just won a Super Bowl was what everybody was saying. I was looking to better the looking to better the team. I wanted to get younger, and they didn't. Like they just didn't. So after this year, what are we going to evaluate? Well, obviously linebacker, safety, cornerbacks, and maybe you have some retirements on the offensive line. There's well, going to be plenty to do. Well, as you bring up with the Phillies, I think it's one of those things where and Jason Stark spoke about it the other week. Rolling it back is not. That's not usually a successful formula. It's just we're going to run it back. We're going to we're going to do the same thing we've done the last two years, and it's going to work this time. That that doesn't. And that was Jason said that's his biggest concern about the Phillies, and that's surprising to me because they should be a playoff team. Basically, they they you go into the season with that expectation that they should be going in. Yeah, I, no excuses uh, for not. It it is it is bold by them to do. Um, but then again, they have so much money tied up in a lot of players that you look at where do they where do they need to go? You know, like you could do what you what you want and and trade a Castellanos or a Schwarber, but that might be cutting off your nose to spite your face. Um, change for change, change for change. You sake. mean you mean like uh, energy around the team or something? Yeah, like that? yeah. I mean, you Schwarber, know, I'd worry about that much. Schwarber, more than yeah, Schwar- yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Like Schwarber's loved in that the vibe room, guy. Yeah, even when he's not performing well at the plate is his just leadership like, like upgrading loses out but like upgrading backup catcher and people and, and yeah the day i brought it up on the air people were like seriously you want you're like worried about them upgrading backup catcher i am because jt real muto i want to be more effective i want him to be a guy who is when he's two years from now he's still an effective player well, because he didn't you didn't get you didn't break his wheels off him i i understand uh that point completely Rob Thompson, though, has shown in two years, and it might be because of the backup catcher, but he's shown in two years. He just doesn't – he doesn't like to give JT rest. No, why? Like, I think he's driving him in the ground, but to your, it's chicken and egg. Like, if you have a better backup catcher, does he get more and rest? Then, and then JT, let JT that day be the designated hitter. DH, or first like base. Like, let him do something else that it's not killing him. It was the one thing that I thought Girardi actually did well. I did, too. Was he gave JT options of, okay – we're going to get you out behind the plate. You can play first base here. You can play DH. Well, not. you're going to pick. Didn't they say to him, though, you're going to pick four games or something? You're going to pick four or five I games? I remember that. I think I remember them saying something along the lines of you're going to pick some games. Well, I remember the one game he came work. in and he wasn't in the lineup. And he was like, oh, F that. I was I'm, just going to bring that up. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in the lineup today. You're putting me somewhere. And they put him at first base. You he, know? He's a factor in all of it, I believe. I you really think do. as far as just, well, I, I, I want I to think, be there. I think he says to Thompson, look, I know I'm 33. I can go 145 behind the plate. That, like, I just can. That's yeah, how I'm That tells me, though. It's, that's how I made up. I know. I hear you. Inmates running the asylum, then. Yeah, uh, well, I don't mind that. It's, it's like, look, it, the, pro sports is different than college and high school where amen. the coaches, you know, this is what I say. This is what you're going to do. No, these are grown men. They talk it out. They say, hey, how you doing? Do you, you know, I was thinking of sitting you today. No, nah, I'm okay to go. Okay, then you go. Like, I don't think they're inmates running well, the asylum. I think it's a, a collaborative effort of running the, the asylum. The, the, we talked earlier about the Torts interview that we'd had before the season started, and Torts said, that's the best question I've ever got. for, for From Bob. From Bob. Do you remember the question? Who checks you? So, yes, JT Romuto as the catcher is the guy that normally, you know, the coach will come out and check with the catcher. Hey, how's, how's the pitcher doing? Right. Like, well, who's checking JT? Yeah. Like, who's the guy that's going like, 
Yeah, J- JT's kind of struggling right now. Look, pride is is huge in sports, right? Like, you you don't want to admit, hey, I'm struggling right now. You want to work your way out of it. Somebody needs to check JT at times and go, look, you, it's fine to sit, man. Like, you're not going to get Wally Pipped that's here. That's why you're the manager, well, yeah. Who's checking Sirianni? Nick Sirianni. Who's checking him? He hires two inexperienced coordinators, so they're not going to climb the pecking oh, order and be the guy with the trash cans. Wait, did he hire them? Kidding. Well, I mean, he was he was the one. He said they were his, but we he did it with Howie and, and Jeff Lurie involved. Right. So I, but, I, I mean, don't think still, we though, can use that against him. Well, he wanted, we but, no, say, he wanted Brian Johnson. That is on the record. He wanted Brian Johnson. He well, got his way. He's not going to go yeah. on the record and say, I didn't want him. He got his way. I mean, Yeah, I don't know how much I can I can trust what he says behind a mic. Okay. I, I mean, I think he's always going to well, who checks him? toe the company line, but that's a good question. Howie? I guess Howie yeah. has to be your boss. But the thing is, here's the thing is, I don't like, is I've had, I've had program directors before in this business, thankfully not now, that never did my job. And I would go, like when they're telling me to do something, I'd say, but you never did my job. You don't understand what I do yeah. for a living. Whereas I don't understand how a GM like Howie could question a head coach and really check him. Other than just me, like telling him what organization philosophy is, but check him. Howie's never called a game. Howie's never called a defense. Howie's never been an offensive coordinator. I mean, it, it just seems hard to me that somebody wouldn't be there. That's why I wanted a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator that was a veteran. Somebody who could say, hey, Nick, I've done this well, before. I've been a head coach. I've done this. You're, you're heading down a wrong path here. They tried, right? I mean, they had Vic Fangio, and he would have been, and Schefter told us, he would have been the D.C. The old, the old uh, Cincinnati coach that they were playing footsie with. Uh, Pete Rose. No, no. Dick LeBeau. <laughs> Not Dick LeBeau. Uh, the, uh, a coach who was in Cincinnati forever. That's an offensive coordinator somewhere. Smith. I, mean, I wanted somebody to be. Oh, Marv Lewis? Yeah, Marv Mar- like, Lewis. I wanted somebody to be a veteran in his ear. I wanted there to be a, a, a Phillips a, a Phillips type, a bum Phillips type in the young coach's ear. Well, first, thing that Sha- first thing Sean McVay did is say, find me a veteran defensive coordinator. That's the first thing he did what, when he got hired. What yeah, is it? God. Doesn't that go against the M.O. of Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman? Yeah, Andy they want to hire an experienced. Andy Reid, nobody, comes yep. in, boom. Doug Peterson never was a head coach before, boom. Nick Sirianni never was a head coach before, boom. Like, is that just part of their makeup? It might be. Want to, and, 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 and by the way, their hiring practices are really damn good. And, and yeah. they, they usually will promote from within. They don't really do, like, for example, Marty Morningway becomes OC when Brad Childress goes to Minnesota, but Marty Morningway had been brought in to be, like, the quarterback's coach. You know, it wasn't, like, just an outside hire. It was, okay, we're going to bring it. Kind of like what they tried to do with Vic Fangio. Like, we're going to bring you as an analyst and kind of a a guy that we can, you know, pick your brain, but then we'll elevate you. Um, Yeah, I think it speaks volumes, and I'm sitting here watching a 10-3 and football team going, man, I really, really hope they they go deep into the playoffs. And one of the reasons why is because Brian Johnson will be gone. Like I, I shouldn't feel that yeah, way. Yeah, and you should because when Shane Sykin and Jonathan Gannon got hired else place, I was pissed. I was like, damn, like I wanted one more year with those guys. And with Brian Johnson, I go, oh my god, please, somebody get fooled by this and just take him. And that's where I wanted to end with, real quickly, because we don't have a lot of time. If Gannon and St- and Steichen were here, this team would not be looking like this. They I would not be playing like this. Could not agree more. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I think you this that. team yeah, would absolutely. be playing a lot cleaner. Agree more. But I don't know that their record would be much different. It might not like be. It might be yeah. one might be one win different. 
So it's weird. They've sort of stumbled into it. But we'll get into it lots more tomorrow. And we appreciate everybody who came out today for our special Tuesday broadcast. And D'Angelo Cataldi, thank you very much for uh, taking a lot of grief for coming here today. And I greatly appreciate that he did it. And people in radio need to lighten up a little bit. Hey, support life-saving cancer research. Join us and our generous partners. David Auto Group, that's David Kelleher, our first Friday sponsor, and make a donation to the American Association for Cancer Research today. Do it at 975thefanatic.com slash AACR, because cancer research saves lives. Every donation through the end of the year will be doubled be uh, by a mystery donor, so please uh, get your donation. If you're a first-time donor, your 50 becomes 100, your 25 becomes 50. I'll do the math for you. Have a great, great Tuesday. Stay tuned. Andrew Salchunas entertains you. Prize wheel at noon. And then this afternoon, the best show ever at 4 o'clock. Thanks to our audience. Have a great day, everybody.